If you like true crime, dark history, the haunted and paranormal, then we think you'll like Ghost Town. Ghost Town is hosted by me, Rebecca Lieb. And me, Jason Horton. We cover both notorious and obscure true crimes. The haunted, paranormal, and unexplained. And the dark history of everything from world events to pop culture. There are new episodes of Ghost Town every Wednesday and Friday. Find out for yourself what Vulture.com called essential listening and one listener called a total waste of time. So pause the podcast you're listening to right now. And go subscribe to Ghost Town for free on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And at ghosttownpod.com. Before we get into this episode, this November, we are going to be doing another episode that will rely almost entirely on you, the listener, sending in your answer to the question I'm about to ask, and we are going to read your answer on the air. The question is, do you like us? (laughs) Will you go to prom with me? Can I borrow money? (laughs) This was a a question sent in to us by one of our listeners, and it's a little involved, (laughs) which is a slam on him. (laughs) Um, This is sort of, I'll give you a few different ways, ask it a few different ways to sort of get you thinking of what it is we're looking for. So this is what we want to know. Why? You don't even know this, do you? No. Say it like that again. You don't don't even even know know this, this. do you? You're the avatar for the average (laughs) listener here. And I... (laughs) Yeah, that's them. Banjo, banjo, banjo. That's me playing the banjo. (laughs) Banjo, banjo, download. Banjo, banjo, download. Um, That's what we think of all you. So here's the question. Why, when there are any number of towns and cities in the U.S. to live in, do people want to be in L.A.? Beyond the restaurants and museums, what are the things that are intrinsic about L.A. that make people want to live and work here? The things that bind you to this place, the things that are so elemental to your understanding of L.A. as home that it is hard for you to even conceive of yourselves being anywhere else. What is the California dream that draws you here. So however you want to interpret that, do not say restaurants and museums. We explicitly Darn, said that. It's mostly restaurants. It's mostly fast food places. <laughs> it's restaurants in museums. I, lo- I love cafes inside of museums. I love cafeterias, yeah. But uh, yeah, that's what we want to know. So send that to us on Instagram at LA underscore Meekly or on Twitter at LA Meekly or you can email us la.meekly at gmail.com. Any of those places are the best ways or text it to us uh, because we know the, yeah. the only people that are going to send it to us are people that have our private Private phone numbers. You can uh, my, wife, a, my wife. My wife. My wife. Ada. You can leave it as a comment on Venmo if you like. Just want to send us money and uh, title that comment forty dollars. <laughs> I went too low. Um, okay, so yeah, that's what we want to know. Uh, also, if there's any new listeners coming in, what you're about to hear is an intro for the episode that has nothing to do with anything. It's just it's a little bit of fun. We just like to sit around for four hours and yell at each other. So you're gonna hear some. One of, of us yells. The product of uh, being yelled at for four hours. <laughs> And then after that, we'll get into the actual episode. So uh, see you then. See you on the other side. Get her done. Okay. Quote attributed to my (laughs) wife. Yeah, now we know exactly where these Terminators are being made and we can destroy them once and for all. We just have to wait for this one that's chasing us to lose the scent. I'll come back. coast is clear. Let's go. Uh, I don't know. What do you mean? Let's get out of here. No, the 
this isn't right. What are you talking about? It's not right. We have the plans. Let's go. That wasn't his line. What line? I'll come back. It's I'll be back. Who cares? That was the line from the movie. This is real life. That was a real Terminator. Then why does he look like Arnold Schwarzenegger? Because while he was governor, he funded Skynet, and this is how they honored him. Don't you read paper internet? Mm, But that's not the line. Who cares? This is our chance. He's distracted by that unarmed family of orphans over there. Come with me if you want to live. That doesn't even make sense. He just killed all of them. I I should say something. You're going to say something to the Terminator. Just, just a quick word. No. Don't have a cow, man. That's not even his line. Oh, I, I, I have to say something. The resistance is waiting for us. We've got the plans to end this. I won't let you put that at risk. This is so easy for you, isn't it? Being an enemy of the police state, watching your family get killed right in front of you, murdering your own wife just to drink her igu to stay hydrated? Well, it wasn't easy for me. I wasn't born Sarah Connor's son. No one ever wanted to hunt me. This might be my only chance to be slaughtered by a ruthless killing machine, and I want things to be perfect. Can't you understand that? Please don't do this. Literally the whole world depends on you not doing this. I'm I'm gonna say something. Uh, Excuse me, Mr. Terminator. Hasta la vista, Bobby. Hello. 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 On the bass. You didn't know that, did you? <laughs> you didn't know that until you started <laughs> trying to be the soprano with me. <laughs> Welcome to the newest episode of Ally Meekly, the podcast that'll have you saying, you guys sound like you're indoors. I was going to say, you might wonder, does that sound like a, the low rumbling of an air conditioner? That bird sounds like an air conditioner. How come? Why come? <laughs> How come you're not addressing all the children in the park around you right now? You're not talking about horse dongs. Why not? Not yet. <laughs> just wait. <laughs> you just wait and see. Uh, yeah, this is our first episode back indoors. We're in my parents' house. We are in your let's parents' not, house. Let's not jump the gun. Let's take a second to soak in that we are indoors together again yeah. for the first time in almost two years mm-hmm. a year and eight months or whatever yeah yeah it's uh it's weird it is weird i'm i'm not i don't feel uncomfortable i also recognize it's been a very long time yeah since i don't feel any close. more uncomfortable than i normally do in a yeah. room with you you know mm-hmm. <laughs> what mm-hmm. what what that you said <laughs> i must have uh it's so being loud indoors, indoors yeah. i can't hear anything being indoors it's weird it feel insulted in different ways and i don't understand why it's exciting i'm glad that because i got a new micro i got a new microphone mm-hmm. we got we get to use our mixer again we get to remember what plugs into what. It took us a really long... It took you a long time and me watching you uh, <laughs> to set all this up. There are wires going everywhere because we don't know where we are. We're in my parents' house. Yep, we are um, certainly not throwing the party that we should be when uh, a 36... Or, uh, uh, oh, come on now. When one 32-year-old's 36-year-old friend <laughs> comes over when his parents aren't home. We should be boogie warding, okay? <laughs> we should be doing keg stands, whatever that means. We should be lighting... Cats on fire. Do you have a cat, by the way? <laughs> Second question. But yeah, they're uh, they're not here tonight. So uh, we we figured let's our normal recording studios are not available as far as we're aware yet. Yeah. So uh, this is uh, the only indoor place that well is we're the only place we're welcome indoors. Our butler lost the keys to the mansion, mm-hmm. and it's like I can't fire him you know he's he's loyal okay so i'm not, we're, we're just gonna we're gonna do our part and record in daniel's 
parents' house. Here's a whole new dynamic is uh, creaky chairs that were yeah. creaky noises that you're going to be hearing. And also when one of us talks, since we're so close to each other, if there's a sneeze or if, yeah. someone, or if I just want to cut out you saying Mark David Chap Mango or something, you'll still hear it in the background of my microphone. If you hear me rising above your supreme level of comedy, you could just bring me back down to my level by cutting out Mark David Chap Mango, which is maybe the funniest thing you ever said on the fly. It yeah. came you just said the flash. funniest thing you ever said uh, meeting me since I'm the supreme comedian. It was said. I am supreme jokester <laughs> of the it podcast. It was said. Um, <laughs> Who said it? I don't know. If people are offended by it, you said it. So, all right, let's, let, no more, no more we're, fun. we're indoors. No more yeah, fun. No more fun. <laughs> this let's isn't a wild to... outdoor podcast anymore. There's structure here, Greg. I miss the park. <laughs> <laughs> Which one? I miss the storage units underneath <laughs> my parking. So let's talk about uh, what we did in the past month. Okay. Went to an open market in Somar at someone's house and I didn't perform. I just watched my friends perform and it was really nice being in front of comedy again. Even if it was just my friends who are fantastic doing an open mic. It was nice. Yeah, you were not you weren't the one in front of the comedy. You were in front of the comedy happening. Yeah, I was in front of the, the comedy was happening to me. Supreme funny man uh, decreed, <laughs> Explaining, decreed it that way. After reading an entire book about how comedy works and now you're going to explain it to everybody. Else. <laughs> after I read a book about the Commedia dell'arte, I think I know. I, I can tell you exactly why Tootsie is funny now. <laughs> the long tradition of pretending to be females. We were talking about before this that the comedy scene seems to have changed or at least it's, is not back to how yeah, it was yet. Yeah. Yeah, I'm wondering how things are going to go now that masks are required again because it's... Yeah, it, because a lot of the ones I went to were... I mean, I've, the ones that I know of are outdoors, so it's got that going for it. I don't know. And I've seen some shows required... What is it, a of, podcast during the pandemic? I've seen some shows. Are their parents not gone for the evening? <laughs> their parents finally figure out that you do a podcast and comedy and now you're just using their house willy-nilly because now they know. <laughs> I let them find out I so we could use it. let them find out. A lot of shows, comedy shows right now are requiring proof of vaccination, which is probably a good thing. Oh, that's thing. good. Yeah. Some people would disagree with that, but I think it's a good thing. I think about half the comedy community would disagree <laughs> with that. But, um, yeah, that's encouraging at least because that's, I mean, that's the, like, if it were, let's go to this open mic and there's no masks or, an, or you're performing without a yeah. mask. I know I'm not going to do that because I know com- I know comedians. I know how comedians are, and I'm pretty sure 75 percent of them don't know what a vaccine is. <laughs> they know what it is. It's a threat to the freedom. Uh, they know it's a tracking device. It's liquid <laughs> tracking devices. Well, look, th- this is my thing of the month. Okay, let's hear it's it. sort of a double feature. It's a it's a little bit of a watch and do. Oh. <laughs> I never heard that. Those two put together. It's more of a monkey see, monkey do. <laughs> In this case, you are the monkey. <laughs> so here's the thing to watch. It's Robert Altman's The Long Goodbye. Oh, yes. Starring Elliot Gould in 1973. I realize this has basically just become a movie recommendation yeah. podcast because that seems to be all we do anymore, <laughs> uh, which is a really good movie. It's very good. I it, saw I caught the last 10 minutes the other day somewhere. The most controversial 10 minutes. The most controversial part of the movie is the last 10 minutes. It's a really good 70s LA movie mm-hmm. and it's just pretty good overall. You saw another really good 70s movie last week but we won't have to talk about it oh are, are you speaking of uh <laughs> um the founder of the cheech marin art institute's <laughs> premiere film up in smoke where he smokes a doobie the size of <laughs> the size of a hebrew national salami is that what you're referring to that was actually what i was referring to but let's keep talking about elliot gould <laughs> yeah let's talk about elliot gould so watch that movie yep. where he lives in the high tower neighborhood mm-hmm. he lives in an apartment up in that high tower neighborhood yep. which is like in the hills above Holly, uh, like kind of right near the Hollywood Bowl. And then here's the do part of the monkey see, monkey do uh, directive. <laughs> do go walk around the High Tower neighborhood because we watched it on like a Friday night and then Saturday morning we're like, let's go to the High Tower neighborhood. And we mm-hmm. went.
went there and it looks pretty much the same. Really? And you can walk up to where his apartment wow. was and it's really cool. Like you could see like, oh, that's the house where the topless girls were. <laughs> and and it's also just a really cool neighborhood because yeah. it's almost like a little Italian villa on top in the Hollywood Hills. Yeah. And we were walking around and like you can see the Hollywood Bowl and yeah. you can see like the Hollywood Hollywood <laughs> and there was this one house where Melissa for whatever this is the second time this has happened Melissa saw this house and she's just like I love like this is great oh I really God. like this <laughs> who died there my question to her well <laughs> she really liked this place and it was like foreclosed and she's like we could just take it oh but uh, it, it was this really nice house we learned later that was Kurt Cobain's house really when he lived in Hollywood <gasps> Not the house where he, he died, died in, but still he used to live in that house. That's very interesting. Yeah, Melissa's uh, the beckon of the gates of hell have <laughs> struck. Come again. on, it's called a shine. <laughs> we both know what it's called. Why are you giving it a nice name? She shines. Her favorite fruit is f- French fries and ketchup. <laughs> she really likes leaving clues about the Native American genocide <laughs> around the house. But yeah, uh, it, it's just a cool little neighborhood, and it's really fun to. It's a cool place to see. Period. But if you just watched the long goodbye. Yeah. If you don't know the neighborhood, like there's literally that elevator that goes, uh, mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a high tower yeah. and the people who live there go up this elevator, which you're not allowed into yeah. if you don't live there. <laughs> so we had to take the stairs. You can also, if you want to do another thing, you know, you can go <laughs> Take through, your up and smoke tour. <laughs> yeah, the up and smoke tour, which is mostly like Highland Park. Um, <laughs> Elliot Gould narrates uh, a few of uh, Raymond Chandler's books. Oh, really? And you can get on uh, Hoopla. Yeah, so if you didn't get enough of him playing Marlowe, you can get I more did of it. that. That's pretty cool. It's pretty that, neat. He's good at that. That's good of him to do yeah. that. He doesn't mumble as much as he does in the movie which is bummer because that's my favorite part yeah he he's kind of like a weird philip marlowe where he's almost wc fields yeah, it, yeah it's fun it's it's a it's a highly recommended movie yeah. i think i recommended it when someone asked us a few months ago about mm-hmm. la movies but i hadn't seen it then yeah. now i've seen it i still recommend it we were also talking about i forget what we we're talking about italians in the 70s and their chest hair and i i think i <laughs> specifically brought up the bad guy in uh, uh, the long goodbye he's jewish i oh, is think he? i think he's jewish and also speaking of the bad guys one of his henchmen yeah he's Jewish because he's like it's a Friday night I should be in temple well that's right and I'm here having to kill your <laughs> kill your cat or whatever smash this lady in the face <laughs> with a coke bottle that she really wanted to drink one of his henchmen is Arnold Schwarzenegger that's right you're in the movie, and that. he takes his shirt off and it's I don't know how many times we're going to bring up Arnold Schwarzenegger topless in this episode but <laughs> let's, let's count keep, it at yeah, one let's, let's keep doing it um, we'll ring a bell every time it happens <laughs> very good recommendation I haven't done that and I'd like to uh, do you want to do the listener question now sure why not you know what? We're indoors. Let's we do whatever we want. The sun has no effect on us anymore. <laughs> Neither do City Park Rangers. So this listener question we have is from Bronwyn Lewis. Hi. I think I'm pronouncing her name right because it's a apparently it's a Canadian name. Okay, Bronwyn. I've, I've never had to say it out loud, but I've seen it enough because we message each other. Yeah, Bronwyn. Bronwyn. Okay, Bronwyn Lewis on Instagram. You're, you are digging into it now. Yeah, you're gonna change it up a little uh, bit. Let to me get the do, right let one. me do a bunch of different takes. Okay, <laughs> but it's all the same. Yeah. Bronwyn. <laughs> Bronwyn. Bronwyn. Okay, I think we got it. So here's our question. After surviving barely the crazy heat wave we just had in the PNW, Pacific Northwest. Oh, Hi, right. I'm from Vancouver. That's what she says. Uh, my wife. Uh, uh, donkey. I'm, cu- I'm curious if either of you have AC. That's air conditioner. Is it common or not in LA? That's Los Angeles. Is <laughs> Bronwyn, with your abbreviations, come on. They don't have a lot of time in Canada. No, they don't. It's hot. Currently, it's very hot. Gotta get to Tim Hortons. <laughs> uh, is it common or not in LA? And how do you stay cool when it gets scary hot? Uh, you don't. <laughs> I don't have AC. I have AC at work in the, the late Do summer. Do you really not have it? Well, your house no. is really old. Yeah. <laughs> 
Whoa, okay. How old is she? <laughs> um, a craftsman from 1915. My house gets so hot that I can't wait to get to work, and that's how you know how hot it is. Is in September, uh, August, September. I'm like dying to go to work. I'll drive <laughs> Any to work. Extra shift. Yeah. I'll take I'll it. I'll take it. This would be an air conditioning. I don't have air conditioning. I we as the Kyle Kinane joke goes, we have a series of fans that point at each other and just blow a cool air. Around. Yeah, I didn't know that was his joke, but yeah. but, um, but accurate. But and if I've learned anything from my comedy book. Comedy is true, so that is that is funny. I don't have an air conditioner. Yeah, you ju- it's it's you just sweat it out. There are cooler parts of the city. Obviously, you don't go to the valley. Don't go near the whoa, desert. Whoa, 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 don't whoa, ever whoa. go. Um, but if you go coastal, it'll it'll drop ten degrees. Well, okay. I, I wrote like I, this could have been a whole episode for me. I have air conditioner in my apartment. I live in the valley. I have air conditioner in the apartment. But like the whole building is made of Neko wafers. So it's but unless it's on constantly, like yeah. nonstop, which is very expensive. Yeah. Like the second you turn it off, it gets mm-hmm. it all just dissipates. So it goes away immediately. So yeah. unless you leave it on all day, which it seems like all of my yeah. Yeah. neighbors who have no income seemingly yeah. and are just independently wealthy do that it'll just get hot immediately so they put double paned windows in our apartment yeah. which helped a lot which they did in the middle of the pandemic <laughs> uh which never forget that and i weather stripped our front door and our scary attic door right which also i think helped a little bit yeah we have a ceiling fan in the in the dining room area yeah. quote unquote <laughs> And then we have a fan in the bedroom and a fan in the living room. We're luckily our apartment has a good cross breeze when yeah. the bedroom and the like front window are open. That helps a lot. Yeah. You really will get lucky if you find a place where you're like, oh, the breeze runs from the front door to the kitchen window and I'll just like be in the middle of it. But like sometimes you could be in a weird corner where like, oh, it doesn't yeah. go anywhere. It'll, yeah. It'll, cool breeze will come in, but it has nowhere to go. So it, like it just becomes it's hot. hot. It's sweating in the corner. <laughs> yeah. That's why like our bedroom gets, it feels pretty good. Usually when it's really bad, keep the windows open all night and then first thing in the morning shut them and keep the blinds closed all day cold showers in the middle of the day helps a lot melissa got this like face mask that you can freeze and you can wear it and uh but usually like we would go out on hot days to like a mall or a movie or Mm -hmm. something and get cool there yeah i drive on hot nights if it's not gonna get cool till four in the morning i'll drive till like two in the morning tire myself out those are the worst nights (laughs) but i would say that in terms of who or not has uh air conditioning ac in la yeah everyone in the valley i would say certainly Mm -hmm. has an yeah, air conditioner but i think a lot of places in the south bay are or by the beach i would not be surprised if they didn't like yeah. people who live a mile from from the sand of the beach and i know that a lot of people who live in that area even though if they have an air conditioner there it's like once a year maybe yeah. they'll need it but yeah. i think that's i mean that's certainly changing mm-hmm. like we were also talking about there's going to be days soon where we just can't go outside yeah the apocalypse is coming okay Lucky us. Lucky us. And to get us into, <laughs> to lead nicely into this month's episode. Mm-hmm. So let's explain what we're going to be talking okay. about in this episode. We wanted to cover another movie episode like we did previously, where we just talked about like a shotgun blast of whatever LA movies. movies. Yeah, LA movies. But Not now, just whatever movies. LA movies. I understand that. A shotgun blast of genres, I mean. But now <laughs> we want to kind of center in on a little bit, not so much more obscure. Some of mine were, but action movies. Some of mine veered a little into sci-fi. Yeah, um, well, a couple of mine are maybe a little more disaster yeah. or horror-y. Action, action, action movies. Guns are firing and every single one of these. <laughs> People are jumping out of airplanes. <laughs> uh, some of them might be surfing. <laughs> so we want to cover, I think, like uh, five or six each. each. And we're going to just kind of br- give a brief synopsis and then talk about... You had some questions lined up. Yeah, well, we're going to cover like filming locations, what right. makes this an L.A. movie. But here's the three questions I want to ask at the end of every... You're going to have to ask each time. I wrote it down because I know I'm going to forget yeah. it. Uh, to ask it and also what the questions <laughs> are. Could this movie have only worked in L.A. or could it have been anywhere? Two, 
was this actually a good movie? Because there's a difference between a good action movie and a good movie. Certainly, certainly. And three, was it accurate to L.A.? Okay. Those are the three questions. Now, remember those in your head. (laughs) What do you mean accurate to to L.A.? Like geographically. Geographically, okay. Then one of them is, and I was very surprised. Yeah. You're going to start us off because you have one more than I do. Oh. Oh, Oh, dear. (laughs) Well, well, well. The first one, Manhattan. (laughs) Nebraska. (laughs) Key Largo. I was was thinking of a movie called Boston, but I think I'm just thinking of any movie that Ben Affleck was in. (laughs) That's all I see on the poster when when Ben Affleck is is in a movie. Yeah, Ben Affleck in Boston. (laughs) If Boston was a movie, it would be the fact that in Gone Girl, he refused to wear a Yankees cap. If Boston was a movie, it would be that fact. By Boston. (laughs) Okay, here's the little... I warned you I had a little game for you. Yes. Because I told you what I was going to do, but I'm hoping you forgot. Uh, you're notoriously forgetful, so I'm hoping you forgot what I'm doing. I'm, gonna, I'm not notoriously forgetful. I'm reliably forgetful. <laughs> I'm going to, for each, instead of my usual, you know, uh, what, what did I have it? Your 12-day limericks? My signature humor riddles. That's how I humor describe riddles. them. Okay. I, I came up with a new tagline for each of these movies, and okay. instead of telling you what movie I'm going to do, I'm going to say the <laughs> tagline and Christ. see if you can guess what it okay. is. So let's start with this first one. When this city's a rockin', special effects get a mocking oh my god um when this city's rocking special effects get a mocking okay okay i want to say rock and roll high school i know you didn't cover that <laughs> the greatest action movie <laughs> of all time when they, they blow, blow up, up the, the school, school. <laughs> technically <laughs> i don't know earthquake earthquake yeah earthquake okay. i would have never guessed that <laughs> I remember watching Earthquake yeah, maybe 15 years ago. I had never seen it, and I always assumed that the part of the tram tour at Universal Studios where an earthquake happens yeah. was from Earthquake. And that's why when we were gearing up to watch, we are like, we're going to see the scene yeah. from the tram tour. And <laughs> no. then as we were like getting up to it, like, wait... Why was it underground? Wait, why did a subway come crashing in? And it has nothing to do with the movie Earthquake. That was a simulated San Francisco earthquake, as if such a thing could ever happen (laughs) again. So as a synopsis for Earthquake, a giant ass earthquake hits L.A. And this is the story of people trying to survive before, during and after it. Terrifying. Let us say this is going to be a let us let us just (laughs) let's take a moment. Whenever we mention earthquakes, we must do the sign (laughs) of the cross. This is going to be a pretty loose episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just all over the place. I have six pages typed up about how loose this episode is going to (laughs) be with rules about how loose it's allowed to be. (laughs) Oh, well, this is what I was going to say. Yeah, it's a uh, it was a shockingly upsetting movie. Yeah. To watch. It is a classic disaster movie, and I think that the special effects, because they're not computerized, they're all um, practical, are really upsetting to look at. Well, there's one part that's a well-known, I guess, bad uh, bad effect. I okay. wouldn't call it a practical effect. Yeah. It was quite impractical, <laughs> because there's a scene where people are in an elevator, and the, of course, uh, yeah. that, that's one thing in this movie. Like, everything is leading up to the earthquake, setting up, like... This is a house on a, on stilts. Yeah. <laughs> this is a ri- don't go over that bridge. Don't go too high in that building. D- don't stack that. Um, I work house in a glass factory. Yeah. There's one scene where people are they get into the elevator and then the earthquake hits and it of course snaps. Yeah, and it goes. You know, it's going down and they hit the ground and because you're seeing like all the people in the elevator and they yeah. hit the ground and you see like their legs buckle which yeah. is upsetting yeah. but then I read that they the reason they did this is because it would have been too graphic if they just like sprayed blood everywhere oh, right, right, right. so that happens and then there is like 
Hanna-Barbera cartoon oh. blood, like Kodachrome colored blood, like squirts up oh, on the screen. And it was absurd yeah, on the screen or over the camera to like as a filter on the screen. Okay. Like, like they put a cell from an animation studio. Okay. Yeah. It was blood. like the, the guy's finger putting the cell on was there. It, it almost ruined the whole movie. But anyway, so this came out in 1974, directed by Mark Robson, written by George Fox and Mario Puzo. Really? Yeah. That's funny. The Godfather himself. And at the end of this earthquake was a stallion's head. <laughs> I'm going to make him an emergency pack. He can't refuse. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, that was really like Mario Puzo wrote anything other than The Godfather. <laughs> but uh, so it's starring Charlton Heston, mm-hmm. Ava Gardner and George Kennedy. Ava Gardner's in that? She plays Charlton Heston's horrible wife. She's barely in it. <laughs> okay. And she like she like overdoses on drugs at the beginning. Uh-huh. And then when the earthquake hits, she wakes up and she's like, what? <laughs> The only thing that snap her out of this coma is drug-induced coma. So uh, there's also a special cameo by Walter Matthau really? as the drunk guy we would see at Paladino's all the time. Drunken Mouse? Drunken Mouse. We have to just explain who that is. There would be this guy at this one open mic bar. He was there for the bar. Yeah. And he... You, you would think that he would be there for the bar. He wasn't a fan of comedy or any of us. He seemed to love being a part of comedy. Yeah. And once he established himself and people were, learned his name, he loved that he was a scenester. Well, he he looked like... What is it even from? Like the mouse from The Great Mouse Detective? Yeah, I think that's And he gets like Cindy drunk at one point. Yeah. He looked like that mouse because he had like this huge... Like, like weird floppy top hat and yeah. this like puffed up alcoholic WC field yeah. face. Yeah. And that's exactly who this character was. It was like he was wearing the hat. It was yeah. so weird. And also this guy once tried to grab our friend Cindy's breasts on stage. That's him? That, yeah, that was him, wasn't it? Oh, I don't know. I'm, I'm pretty sure that was him. That's fair. We'll have to... <laughs> Let's ask Cindy after we just uh, exposed a uh, pretty traumatic experience for her. She turned it into a joke. It's fine. All right, it's fair game. <laughs> um, so anyway, there's a lot of good L.A. stuff to see in this movie. It starts out with the old 1970s skyline of downtown yeah. L.A., of Hollywood, 1970s. One thing I, I noticed, not only in this movie, but in other movies that take place in L.A. in like the 70s, because I noticed it when I was watching recently uh, Vacation, yeah. and they come to uh, L.A. Uh, six weeks. They go to Six Flags. It's called something else, but they go to Six Flags. uh, They call it Magic Mountain. (laughs) What I noticed in these movies is how green Los Angeles used to look. Because like we still have just as many trees. It's just that they're not really green. They're like brownish, yellowish now. Yeah. Which made me wonder, are we the ones living in the disaster movie? I think that we are living in a disaster movie that it's it's like the Ten Commandments of a disaster just so long. (laughs) Also starring Charlton Heston. (laughs) There's also like between the 70s to the early 90s, there's like a, a, you know, the color palette obviously changes from like an uh, Auburn until like more blues or whatever. But like the sky is always the same kind of like blurred out white it's like not yeah, bright sunny they 60s didn't have California. Like the filters to yeah. make a, they did have the filters to make fake blood, blood show up. they spent all their money <laughs> they should have the just put fake blood all over the sky <laughs> but yeah that, that that was one thing that that popped out but they mention in this movie they mentioned the long beach earthquake in mm-hmm. 1933 and the silmar earthquake which apparently is the earthquake that inspired oh, mario really? puzo to write earthquake there's like a sheriff's versus lapd rivalry oh, in cool. the movie george kennedy plays a disillusioned lapd officer who hates cops Qu- uh, 
not Quentin Tarantino, Charlton Heston, <laughs> just as nonsensical of a name. <laughs> Charlton Heston is an engineer who designs earthquake-proof buildings. Didn't work. <laughs> They're obsessed with early earthquake prediction systems that this time actually worked, but nobody wants to believe it. There's like the scariness of aftershocks, like yeah. how freaked out, like, oh, it's happening again. <laughs> it shows a lot of iconic stuff being destroyed, like the San Gabriel Mission, the Capitol Records, the, oh, Holly- the Hollywood Reservoir bursts open and floods Hollywood. And uh, like I was saying, just the- My headshots. But, but I almost got the call back for Sanka coffee. <laughs> yeah, like like I was saying, it's like just the worst scenarios you can imagine. Yeah. House on stilts falls down, bridge over this river, and then the bridge collapses. And then you're surrounded in the dried out river, LA River, yeah. by downed power lines. And then this movie hit, just hits all the buttons. And then the water from the burst reservoir comes <laughs> rushing at you, which still sounds like the tram ride, but it's yeah. not the tram ride. And then King Kong comes and then... <laughs> And with all the water and the electricity, it makes uh, Jaws, the the shark from Jaws, into a super shark. It goes super saiyan. Super sapien is <laughs> King Kong. Although he does kind of turn into a gorilla when he's super sane, he turns into a gorilla. Anyway, I don't want to bore you with the lore of Dragon Balls. Dragon Balls. Dragon um, Balls. The, the, Clearly I know what I'm talking about. Um, the Hollywood Bowl becomes a medical hub. The actual earthquake in the movie, the shaking, lasted nine minutes. Oh, wow. That is ridiculous. So, do you want to hear some of the filming locations? Yes. Charlton Heston's house is at 2751 Lake Hollywood Drive near the Hollywood Reservoir. Okay. The first police chase goes down Vine towards Capitol Records and a lot of it was filmed in the Universal Studios backlot where they used matte paintings okay. which looked like I, I believed it like it, they looked really good I don't yeah. know why they couldn't have used that technology <laughs> for that blood that they put in but the matte paintings look really good I love the matte paintings in movies and when it works like it like I I had no idea yeah. like oh they were driving down the like Munster Street but the Hollywood sign was right there yeah. and so I thought oh that's there in Beechwood Canyon <laughs> uh, where the Munsters live <laughs> the electrical towers that they pass by are at 5740 Whitnall highway in north hollywood right behind the other door oh really that whole like oh weird that strip area, area yeah. where we hung out with andy Sandler. yeah when he drove us to, from his car to our car the stunt guy setup is in this little hidden park near universal that i swear to god i was going to recommend that as a park for us to record it really and I, when i'm watching it like you're kidding me like this little place we stumbled upon that i would thought like me and Rick are gonna record here and it's gonna be perfect you wanted to kill me in an earthquake you murdered by earthquake death by earthquake. No one can pin it on me. There's no DNA when an earthquake kills you. Yeah, we got the fingerprints. It's the earthquake. There's all these cells of cartoon <laughs> blood everywhere. We can't draw any DNA from it. We need more samples. I'll give you what you need. Just get them. Just get them in here. And I just bring in a bunch of like um, McGilla Gorilla <laughs> Jabber Jaw. I found your man. We've got a lineup. <laughs> the, it's Yogi the, Bear standing next to Boo Boo. Huckleberry Hound uh, is That's there. what it is. Huckleberry Hound. I was so gay and I couldn't tell anyone. It's a Simpsons thing. Um, the grocery store. Here's another interesting. The grocery store where the annoying manager who becomes a psycho, who like I feel like I know this guy. Once the earthquake hits and he goes on a power trip, that grocery store was at 5911 Franklin, which is now the bookstore next to where the UCB was. Really? Yeah. Oh, that's fascinating. Yeah. Here, even weirder. The river scene where that bridge collapses. It's at Laurel Grove and Valley Heart in Studio City, which is a bridge we walked all the time during the pandemic like when we would walk and go yeah. towards Studio City like we would go over that bridge all the time and this is where Earthquake happened. How cool that they picked so many small locations and all around Universal pretty much yeah. all around Universal Studios. It, it was Studios. just like a location scout being like yeah. here here's a bridge you're I gotta get home early it's you're my daughter's stu- birthday. <laughs> <laughs> the Stilt House is at 3832 Alta Mesa also in Studio City. Mm-hmm. Wilson Plaza is at 3701 Wilshire near the Wilshire Western subway stop 
And the black wobbling building they show is like an executive building inside the Universal Studio oh, okay. lot that you, if you drive past it on Coanga, you see that building. And I guess there was some sort of in joke, like, well, wouldn't it be funny if we killed all our bosses? <laughs> it took 150 employees to shake that building to get it to wobble. And they did it for two days. 150 unpaid interns <laughs> were killed wobbling that building. They triggered a real earthquake. And of course, they film on the Hollywood Reservoir yeah. itself. It's all there. It's all there, Greg. It's all there. And like I said, this is a it's a very upsetting movie and it's very bleak. Yeah. Like the I don't want to give too much away, but not everybody survives and there's really like no optimism. It's not like let's reverse this earthquake. Yeah. Like the whole city's destroyed by the end of the movie. And it's, it's, it's upsetting. Yeah. That's very upsetting. And also it reminds you that after an earthquake, all you have to do is clean up. <laughs> if you're lucky. Yeah. If you're lucky, <laughs> if you, and you walk away with your life and your health, you get to clean up. Other people might be cleaning you up. But they also, they they kind of slipped in like a whole decay of Hollywood commentary at the end because uh-huh. the last line of the movie is, this used to be a hell of a town. And it's just really grim. And yeah. it's, well... It, 70s movies. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like a movie, you know, like San Andreas, I'm sure I never yeah. saw it, but I'm sure it does not have that edge yeah. to it. So here's the, the three questions. Okay. Mary Efford Kill. Yes, all three for Earthquake. Um, could this only have worked in LA yes obviously uh, yeah it no other city captures the imagination of a destructive earthquake like los angeles yeah. does was this actually a good movie kind of but it's a really solid disaster movie yeah. was it accurate to la surprisingly yeah at, at most parts like the the chase down vine like yeah. like oh the turns this all makes sense he's coming down from beachwood he's going here and here but then all of a sudden they're at jaja gabor's house in beverly hills so it didn't make sense but for the most part i'd say it's pretty accurate jaja gabor lives wherever jaja gabor has to okay <laughs> so uh, let's get to your first one. What do you have Did to- you finish all your stuff though? Yeah, those are all my movies. Okay. It was just Earthquake over and over. I'm going to talk about Earthquake five more times. <laughs> you give me a disaster movie. I'm going to give you my disaster movie. Mine has an earthquake in it. It's got a little bit more than that. I'm going to be talking about 1997's Volcano. Okay. Directed okay. by Mick Jackson and written by Billy Ray. Story by Jerome Armstrong. Here's the logline according to IMDb. A volcano erupts in downtown Los Angeles and a city official and a seismologist try to stop its inevitable flow through the city. You'll see a Tommy Lee Jones. Inan Heish, Don Cheadle, Keith David, Gabby Hoffman, and the guy. Uh, She's the daughter. Gabby Hoffman's the daughter. Yeah. I, I keep thinking of Abby Hoffman. Oh. I thought Abby Hoffman was in Volcano. Oh, yeah. Briefly, briefly. <laughs> and then the guy who's in Zodiac and was in Drew Carey. Drew Carey's brother. Oh, oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. His, allegedly Drew Carey's brother. <laughs> allegedly the Zodiac killer was Drew Carey's brother. <laughs> A pretty decent LA movie. Yeah, I I watched this one during the pandemic, yeah. and uh, I was surprised not only that it's a pretty good movie, but yeah. it's a pretty good LA movie. Yeah, it's a ridic- it's ridiculous. Obviously, uh, <laughs> it's not very accurate. I don't think I would agree to that. Let's talk about some of the things I wrote down. In uh, this was just like me taking notes about weird things. <laughs> Opening shot of you know the, it opens on downtown LA, and then you hear like a, a news broadcast, and it's just like so LA. Like, let me see if I wrote down all the stuff it's saying. Temperature is seventy two degrees, and then there's yeah. they talk about traffic on the freeways. Drive-by shootings and a commercial for eyelid surgery, body sculpting, citric acid peels, whatever to make you the new you. Then they talk about weird medical treatments, and then the Spanish announcer comes on. All of this over a montage of like what I think is the perfect like Los Angeles montage, which is like white people roller skating or at the beach in bikinis, and then people of color working <laughs> really early in the morning. Uh, but it opens on that, and then you, 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 they pass by like a like first three minutes is just establishing like this is Los Angeles of the '90s, like downtown LA, the 405, Beverly Hills. They have a food truck in the Legion Park. 
Um, they go to the beach. There's skateboarders. There's you know the kind of billboards you see on Sunset Boulevard, Randy's Donuts, Hard Rock Cafe at Crescent Heights, and Sunset. And then part of the storyline, like a small, because disaster movies are like all disaster movies have a bunch of little pieces working at the same time. So it's like a like of all these characters' lives and how yeah. they find this big disaster. That's the same way that earthquake was. Yeah, that's it, what, it was. I think a lot of disaster movies are like that. No, just these two. I didn't read about that in my <laughs> Disasteria del Arte book. But one of the storylines, you know, the the nurse. <laughs> Hello, earthquake call. Um, in case you didn't believe us that we were indoors, <laughs> they don't have phones in a park anymore. You, th- you think of the drug problem. <laughs> okay, so one of the storylines, like it's a small minutia, but it's brought up a little bit in um, the radio broadcast at the beginning, and then they show a clip of it is that they're trying to knock down an old church in Olvera Street for a mini mall. I thought, how fitting that yeah, is. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, because I think the, the nurse is dating like a real estate guy. I don't know if that's related, but he's like a sleazy like real estate guy. So, of course, one of the bad guys of the movie is a real estate guy. <laughs> that, that's fine with <laughs> and me. And the good guy's the earthquake, <laughs> or the volcano. There's an earthquake that started off, yeah, and everyone thinks it begins it's, with an yeah, earthquake. They think it's going to be Earth 1974's earthquake, and it turns out to be 1997's volcano. <laughs> totally ridiculous. And this is also, I think I have three movies that are post-1993 that have to deal with the subway. Because the nineteen the red the red line right. opens in nineteen ninety three. Yeah, this one is saying you know the big like I think I wrote the line down that uh, the original sin of this movie is that they built a subway system over an area that has seismic activity. Right, and, like shame on you. Which was, which is wasn't it? No, it was because they were in MacArthur Park. Yeah, like, that's where. It, but but then the earthquake. The, why do I keep calling it an earthquake? It's a it's, it's a the volcano. ultimate earthquake. <laughs> <laughs> the volcano comes up from the La Brea Tar Pits, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah, and if you think about it, it's a straight shot. This whole movie and all the activities pretty much take place on Wilshire. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. Like they looking down Wilshire, like, oh crap, what's that? <laughs> is that a volcano? Is that a volcano over there? Because it's over there. <laughs> so yeah, it, it opens, or the the main the inciting incident uh, happens in uh, MacArthur Park. <laughs> the <and> then, trope <laughs> of the Pagliatelle is. <laughs> it uh, moves further to the tar pits, and then you see like the Page Museum and uh, the Peterson Museum get destroyed. And I think like the Beverly Center has a big to do there too. At the yeah, don't, the doesn't movie. everybody like hide in the Beverly Center yeah, or something? Yeah, yeah, the Beverly Center because there's a hospital right there on like La Cienica. Yeah. So that's Cedar Sinai. Yeah, Cedar Sinai. Yeah. And then part of the end of the movie, I don't want to give too much away, but they think that they can divert the lava lava through Bayona Creek and goes into the ocean. But you're thinking about like, Wilshire is the street for this to happen on because it has all of these things. It's a straight shot to the ocean. But there's so much culture. (laughs) Museum Mile will be covered in lava. They bring up Miracle and Museum Mile as phrases. So it's a very alley movie. Also, it's post- Rodney King. Rodney King and all that stuff. So of course, there's like race relations There was a yeah, there was a weird, I remember there being a weird moment in the movie where there's a guy who came from like South Central. Yeah. And what, the cops like arrested him? Or yeah, something? because he's like, he's trying to get everyone to pay attention to what's happening in his hood. But he's also just like a loudmouth who wants like to anger the cops anyways. But he also has problems and he wants them to like come to my area. I think people need help on my side. And the cops are just really aggro about it. There's one aggro cop and one good cop and yeah, they all get along. And there's a weird thing that ends the movie too. If they're talking about, I don't know if it's a race relations thing, but like the little kid, like it's after everything's over. Everyone's covered in ash and the little kids like everyone has the same yeah face now. i forgot about that and like are this this is a commentary on race in a volcano movie it's this it was the same thing with earthquake because they snuck in at the end like used to be a hell of a town the same thing of like what was i just watching <laughs> like i thought i was watching i thought i was watching tommy lee jones crawl through a volcano and i learned something yeah yeah that, that is weird that these i, I appreciate no, it yeah, no, but certainly. it also uh, then i start looking back of like is the volcano a metaphor for <laughs> 
for racial change? Is MacArthur Park a metaphor for Lakeview Terrace? <laughs> it does make it a little bit more than, yeah. than just a disaster movie Certainly, or yeah. an action movie, as we're talking about. Angeline has a huge part in this movie because she it, does. A, fun, a lava bomb hits an Angeline poster and then she rolls, like her face rolls down and destroys some cars. <laughs> like she's always wanted. They make a big thing of like, my dog's in that apartment and the dog just stinks out the back door. Like it's so easily. And like, oh, this is, I thought I was going to want to dog Bernadette and they're going to make me hear yelps from inside. But um, there's a parking joke and then it ends with, of course, Randy Newman's I Love LA as the <laughs> yeah, credits that's roll. That's right. Um, that's a pretty good movie. Well, we'll get into it yeah. when we get into the three questions um, that the Magi ask at the <laughs> end of each segment. Yeah. Okay. Hit me. Could this only have worked in LA? According to this logic of the movie, yeah. It's like, According to science, this could not have worked in L.A. <laughs> According to the science logic in this movie, uh, it would have been L.A. because of the tar and it's Earthquake Central. And it popped up in like, I think they brought up like Ecuador or Mexico earlier in the movie yeah. as an example of like, you know, earthquakes and then um, lava comes out and there's a volcano. So like, yeah, I, I guess. No, so. I, I think the the like with one of mine, the touches, the L.A. touches in it made sure like it, maybe it didn't have to be yeah. here, but it was better because it's here. I think like earth or volcanoes can happen in a lot of different parts of this country, obviously. But I think if a volcano is going to hit a major metropolitan area where there has to be earthquakes, LA is probably like a prime target I guess for so. that. Yeah. I don't think so, but maybe. Um, so the second question, was this actually a good movie? It was a movie. It was solid. It had three acts. Um, no, it wasn't a good movie that I would watch. It's a good disaster action movie though it had characters that i gave a yeah. crap about even don Cheadle, who's kind of like a slime at first but then you like rose on you i i like turn my my head for one minute and i look and keith david's there and everyone's addressing him like he's been at the whole movie i'm like oh when did you get here <laughs> one of my favorite actors of all time <laughs> but now for the final question was it accurate to la yes because of that it all happened on wilshire and they all went i mean they they were driving for a really long time but also like there's a big gap you got to go through a koreatown to get to uh to the other side, which is that old <laughs> that old LA <laughs> vaudeville joke. But yeah, no, I thought it was very From comedy of Del Arte. I thought it was it obeyed the 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 laws of LA, the terrain laws of LA. Okay. Yeah, all right, all right, fair. I'll take right. it. And you know, here's another thing. Okay, uh, one more. <laughs> uh, the phone call, please. All right, let's go to my next one. Okay, so now guess this movie. Okay, just when you thought it was safe to go back in the watts. Oh God. Is it Assault on Precinct 13? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I've never seen this, by the way. And it's one of those. Oh, really? Yeah. It's one of those that have slipped my attention. Mine too. I'm surprised you haven't seen it, though. Yeah. It seems like it's right up your alley. Right. Uh, and that alley is in Watts. <laughs> Synopsis. On the closing night of an old police precinct in a dangerous part of Los Angeles, a gang of psychopathic killers decides to terrorize the small crew and a few prisoners on their way to death row that are left inside. Hell yeah. Pretty good synopsis. Yeah, that's great. So I could do this for a living. <laughs> This movie came out in 1976, written and directed by John Carpenter, who not the last appearance he'll have (laughs) tonight, um, starring Austin Stoker, Darwin Jostin, Tony Burton, and Laurie Zimmer. The part of town that this movie takes place in is called Anderson, which they describe as a Los Angeles ghetto. Okay. (laughs) It's not real. It's near Bay City. And (laughs) speaking of W.C. Gould, uh, it opens with a bunch of faceless cops shooting down a bunch of people from an interracial, which they make a point of noting that an interracial street gang called Street Thunder. 
Nobody would call it. The, the other members of this gang have somehow gotten their hands on an arsenal of stolen assault rifles, and they're, now they're just driving around Anderson, aiming their guns at random innocent people on the street, deciding whether or not they should pull the trigger, which is terrifying. Yeah. Like, it's a very, a very upsetting lead up. What draws them to the precinct, which isn't even called Precinct 13, by the way. It's called like Precinct 7 and District 14. Like there's no 13 involved. I don't know they why made, they, they brought bad luck there and they made it 13. <laughs> they renamed it after this. <laughs> so what draws them to the precinct is that they shot this guy's daughter buying ice cream from an ice cream truck in one of the most upsetting scenes I've oh, ever geez. seen in a movie. Like it's you think you know something bad is about to happen. Yeah. Like there's this car full of guys with guns that keep like passing by this ice cream truck and yeah. you know something bad's about to happen and then something bad happens and then something even worse happens <laughs> right after that and then they this guy like shoots one of them the, the dad shoots one of them they chase him into the uh he tries to take shelter in the precinct thinking police will help me and there's two police officers <laughs> and, and like receptionists because they're closing down some trivia though apparently that girl who got shot the little girl was kim richards who is paris hilton's aunt wow. whose fiance was murdered by some mafia guys on a payphone in front of brent deli at north really a lot of twists and Turns. Is that Kim Richards from? I think she's a reality star now, but I think she's in yeah. Watcher in the Woods, which is a really good oh, I don't know horror Disney thing. I, I'm just thinking of the uh, the Watcher from that uh, house in New Jersey that freaked me out. I don't know what that is. It was like a whole story in New Jersey where these people moved into this house and they kept getting these letters saying like you shouldn't live here. The Watcher's watching you. I, anyway, I'm one of the scariest news articles <laughs> I've ever read in my life. But that's not what here <laughs> what here we're, we're here to talk about. So the main officer's house is at 1957 North Alexander. Andrea in Los Feliz. Mm-hmm. The ice cream truck scene was at 11601 South Barrendo Avenue in Gardena okay. near the Hustler Casino on land formerly owned by Civil War Union General Rosecrans. <laughs> the jail that the prisoners come out of is the Lincoln Heights Jail. Oh, really? And the shots of the gang on the street are around Watts, but it's hard to pinpoint where exactly because so much of it has been torn down. Yeah. The precinct itself, not Precinct 13, yeah. it's at 685 Venice Boulevard in Venice and it's now the social and public Public Art Resource Center. Okay, I've heard of that before. Yeah, I'd like to go there just to see the precinct. <laughs> I don't care about art or socialism. <laughs> the interiors were all filmed in a studio, but the address that they gave, they had like a sign out front new precinct at this address. Yeah. It's 1977 Ellendale Place. That's supposedly John Carpenter's address downtown where he lived. <laughs> really? Um, Let's go knock on the door, but he's still there. Today. <laughs> he's still there begging for yeah. a next movie to direct. Old Man Carpenter's there. By the way, he's always been Old Man Carpenter. <laughs> he now looks like Michael Myers. Another thing to to talk about the score for this movie is great yeah. it's John Carpenter of course oh, so of course it would be good but like we were talking about it's like one song used over and over and over again yeah. but the song's so good it's like a, re- a really good soundtrack yeah. the Halloween soundtrack which is mostly I think it's all him except for like the Sandman from the Cordettes uh, it's phenomenal it's one of the best soundtracks I've ever heard yeah. in my life and it's just him and the keyboard being like I, can't, I couldn't hire someone to do the score I don't have the money for it <laughs> I'll just sit here at 1977 Edendale <laughs> Ellendale Place this movie it has a lot of action but it's also a horror movie yeah. like when I was watching it I, I kept thinking like this is Night of the Living Dead but like in a city yeah. which apparently was it like an influence when he wrote the movie oh, wow. but the main influence that I couldn't help thinking of for better or for worse was the Watts uprising mm-hmm. in this movie because it was made a decade after but I'm sure it was still fresh in people's minds yeah. it's not explicit but there's a lot of feelings in here that remind me of, of Watts yeah. like disbelief that such violence could happen inside of a major city mm-hmm. cops being completely 
completely useless in certain parts of town and not even thinking to go check for trouble in yeah. certain areas because who cares? Like, there's yeah. nothing there. Who cares? People expecting help to show up that never does and just like a general fear not only of cities yeah. but also of cops. Like, that's, right. that's throughout this whole movie. Like, you can feel... It's another very gritty movie and a very grim movie. You can't help but... F- feel like yeah, that, that's baked into it yeah you yeah. like you feel helpless you feel like nobody's gonna come help you yeah. nobody is even willing to help you and it sounds like a really upbeat movie <laughs> <laughs> there's very few upbeat action movies um i'd be remiss not to mention my favorite line of the movie no one said anything about the cholo <laughs> <laughs> there's a line from it's uh they're all in an old church god what is I, my phone's away from me but someone's like trying to convince someone not to go back in the building he's like come on it's caca <laughs> Kaka, and he repeats it to himself. It's so funny. Now for the the sacred three questions. Yes. Could this only have worked in LA? No, not like it has nothing. It's in a fake part of LA. Yeah. It has nothing to do with LA. But the inspiration is events that took place in LA. Right. So in a way, yes, I guess. Was this actually a good movie? Yes, it's definitely a good movie. Was it accurate to LA? Not at all. <laughs> it's a fantasy. It's Anderson, Los Angeles. There's no, uh, you can't track your way through LA by watching this movie. That sounds really good. I, I want to see all those locations in the 70s too. There was something in North Hollywood, but I couldn't, they just said, and a parking lot in North Hollywood. And like, I know parking lots in North Hollywood. That's the but part of it, one? I know. <laughs> okay, we're going to talk about, I'm trying to link them as close together as I can. Uh-huh. We're going to talk about 19, 19- 90s Predator 2 Predator the Big City <laughs> Have you ever seen Predator 2? I've never seen I've seen Predator 1 Okay That's a good start This one's a Okay 1990 Directed by Stephen Hopkins Writing credit goes to John and Jim Thomas For the characters Sequel obviously To the original Predator There's a mysterious alien hunter Who returns to Earth This time to stake claim On the war-torn streets Of dystopian Los Angeles Of <laughs> Do you want to guess What year in the future they are? It's going to be like The year I was born 1997 Yeah that's when I was born <laughs> Yeah it's supposed to be In the way way future Of 1997 It's always so fun To see that The, the thing they did predict right is that there would be a subway because their subway is heavily used in this movie. And there are certainly at least two predators <laughs> in Los Angeles. This one really threw me because the opening scene is like just like guys versus the cops in the middle of the street and there's machine guns and cop cars are blowing up and cops are getting blown to shreds with like these new these new style assault rifles and you're like oh this must be a comment on Rodney King. Nope it came out in 1990. Oh weird. Yeah I guess it was just a commentary on like because you know they knew it was game coming. warfare was already on the rise through the 80s into the 90s so you didn't need Rodney King to have like or basically the feeling that people from the streets are going to kill cops it didn't take an alien to figure that they out they certainly captured a feeling <laughs> of course it takes place in LA and it's the future there's a very multicultural cast here uh, there's Danny Glover Schwarzenegger back it, it blows my mind that they made a sequel and they're like let's just do the opposite of everything in the first one <laughs> instead of a bunch of muscular men by the way Shane Black is an actor in the first one um, we're going to get rid of all like the muscular men and the jungle setting we're going to throw them in the city with a bunch <laughs> of cops and the predator is going to do his thing here which is like it's kind of you did better in the jungle than you did in the city. <laughs> Very diverse cast. The concrete jungle. The con. You know what? Someone brings that up. In America's the movie. Vietnam. Oh, really? Yeah. Did they mention America's Vietnam, Los Angeles? <laughs> they didn't mean to, but um, <laughs> they're all through downtown, like the the kind of back end of downtown, which is like all the little districts back there, like San Pedro, Wall Street, okay. Olympic. Oh, San Pedro Street. San Pedro Street. Okay. Yes, yeah, San Pedro Street. <laughs> you know, just the behind downtown, <laughs> Orange County. <laughs> it's very heavily 
downtown LA and like the industrial part of it, downtown LA. Um, a lot of things were filmed like off of San Pedro, like the opening fight and everything, but also like they went down a lot of alleys in downtown. Like there, you see a lot of like them on Broadway. This is a, another movie from my list of like pre-gentrified downtown LA and you get to see it when it looked a little bit like gritty New York. It's <laughs> pretty cool. The heat Ooh, is an a, Apple store. <laughs> the heat is a big thing in this movie. It's always hot. Everyone's always sweating and stuff and they're always like just damn Los Angeles heat. <laughs> a lot of punk hip hop. Was there a volcano in MacArthur Park? It's got that dystopian Dark Knight Returns Robocop thing where like the gangs are out of control and the co- kind of like the Assault and Precinct 13 like the, the gangs are out of control the, the cops are useless and like there's got to be like a, like a renegade rugged cops got to step in who doesn't really follow the rules which is his complete Danny Glover's complete opposite of Murtaugh from Lethal Weapon <laughs> and now he's the gritty one this almost got Danny Glover I think to quit he was like so tired after being an action hero that he's like I don't want to do this I really am too old for this I re- <laughs> officially am too old for this that was not a scripted <laughs> line to go along with the Robocop Dark Knight thing. Do you know who Bernie Goats is? No, but he sounds like a farmer. <laughs> he's a shepherd, uh, led these couple people into the afterlife. Um, He's a guy in the 80s, New York, on a subway that a couple guys on the subway were going to attack him. He found out after, but they were just approaching him and he was like, you know, New York in the 80s. It was so out of control that he just pulled a gun out and shot them. Oh, and it was a very divisive thing because some people were like, well, he should go to jail. And other people were like, no, what, he's self-defense. The cops aren't doing anything. And it was this big debate that goes on to today. It pretty much influenced like the Dark Knight Returns and Robocop. Out of control. Everyone's uh, out of control. Yeah. And there's no law anymore. Vigilantes. Vigilante Vigilanteism. Yeah. So there's a whole scene in this movie and it's, really, it's like the funniest scene in the movie where the Bernie Goats thing happens. These guys are going to like attack this guy in the subway. He brings out a gun. They bring out a gun and everyone else on the subway brings out a gun too <laughs> and then Predator comes. <laughs> You don't bring a gun to a predator fight. <laughs> the most, another interesting thing that really threw me is that, well, there's two groups fighting each other and then the predators in the middle killing everybody. One of the gangs is a Jamaican voodoo gang. Okay. And I'm like, that's weird. And I was looking it up and there was some like, kind of like a surge in Jamaican gangs, but not really. But I was like, what's the a other movie? Jamaican gangs. But like, there was another movie from 1990 with Steven Seagal, Marked for Death, that also had a Jamaican <laughs> voodoo. I don't know if they were a voodoo gang. They also had a Jamaican gang in it gangs were big Bob Marley was big they thought peanut butter and chocolate (laughs) what happened in 1990 where we were like the Jamaicans were the bad guys did did Bob Marley's greatest hits comes out (laughs) Uh, they mentioned La Cita Bar in downtown which is where my brother took my dog Ringo when I was at (laughs) Senespia but they don't the interior is not actually there they are in Vernon a little bit they talk about slaughter the big part of it is the slaughterhouses in Vernon which is actually where Predator has been kind of hiding and the unit is anywhere a Predator could be hiding it's it's in the Farmer Johnson I think the most iconic thing is he rips out one of the main characters and his skull and spine, spinal column. Okay. And so they, they up the ante. Didn't the guy lose an arm in the first one? <laughs> Among many other bad things that happened to people. <laughs> yeah. Carl Weathers lost his arm and his, it was still firing as it hit the ground. <laughs> so the predator does this and then he climbs up the Eastern building and he holds oh, cool. it up and he screams and it's like, this is pretty art deco. What a cool thing. <laughs> this is just what the great Gatsby had in mind. <laughs> yeah. That's predator two. It's very, I had no idea that it, until you said I'm doing predator two, I'm like, we're not doing Vietnam movies. <laughs> I had no idea. That's I, I really want to watch it knowing that, though. It's, you're going to get 1990 crazy Los Angeles. <laughs> you ready for the big three? Yeah, let's do it. Uh, could this only have worked in L.A.? LA or New York of the late 80s early 90s yeah it, one of those like metropolitan series okay. cities where the gangs were out the quote gangs were out of control I mean it's kind of a dumb question to ask of this because clearly no because it worked in the jungle already <laughs> once yeah it worked even better in the jungle than it does in the city uh, was this actually a good movie no but it's a lot of fun okay that's all that's all you need uh, was it accurate to LA 
Yeah, I mean, they're, you know what patch of L.A. they were in. It was very interesting that they weren't in, in the home. Like, they didn't try to show you the beach or the Hollywood Hills. They don't, you don't see the ocean one time. It's all industrial Los Angeles, but they stick to that. They, they obeyed that, at least. There wasn't a lot of, like, you know, you're on Broadway Boulevard and you turn to right and you're in Eagle Rock. There's nothing like that. <laughs> it, it's, all like, <laughs> it's all, like, one area. I'd like to see him. I'd like to see the Predator in other parts of L.A. The predator goes to Pacoima. <laughs> this is, he loves it there. It's pretty nice. <laughs> yeah, it's a summer home. A summer home in Pacoima. All right, so you ready for my next one? Yes. I'm gonna this is just a quick one and then we're going to the next one. Okay. Live fast, die furious. I have is it um live die? Live in the, the live and the die. <laughs> live and let die. It's live and let die, right? Live and let die. Bob James Bond's uh, no. first movie in Los Angeles. That guy's Jamaican. He is, isn't he? Mm-hmm. I think we Jamaican. Gotta, we gotta look up what year to live and let die came out. If it's not Jamaican, it's certainly voodoo. It might not be Jamaican, it might be island of Haitian, some kind. maybe. Maybe Haitian. Well, anyway, we're not talking about James Bond. <laughs> the movie the movie is The Fast and the Furious. Roger Corman's The Fast and the Furious? <laughs> okay. I saw this movie when it first came out. I think I was in seventh grade. Right. We walked all the way from Nobel Middle School to the Northridge <laughs> Mall to see it at the Pacific Theater. Uh-huh. And that was my last experience with the Fast and the Furious <laughs> franchise, other than the new ending of of the tram tour at Universal, which is awful. <laughs> but here's what I recollect. A bunch of guys who I bet would be mean to me think they're going to live forever and drive at inconsiderate speeds down public streets so they can win each other's pink slips. <laughs> I, From what I remember, yeah, that's it. I'm pretty sure that's one what One of happened. them might be LAPD. Don't remember which one. I have no affection for this movie, but right. in, an, in an episode where we're talking about action movies in LA, it's impossible not to tip the hat yes, to yes, The yes, Fast yes. and the Furious, the original. It came out in 2001, original title by Roger Corman. <laughs> Directed by Rob Cohen, written by Eric Bergquist, starring Vin Diesel, Paul Walker, Michelle Rodriguez, and a bunch of people who mean nothing to me. Since I don't remember much from it, I'm just going to give you some of the filming locations, which are interesting to you. Mm-hmm, they are. Vin Diesel's house is at 722 Northeast Kensington Road, which I guess, oh, technically, yeah. I guess that's, that's pretty close. I guess that's Angelino Heights. Yeah, that's an, Kensington Road is Angelino Heights. It's Edrick's neighborhood. Edric's it's, it's, it's our friend Edrick's neighborhood. Yeah. Toretto's Market and Diner is Bob's Market. Bob's Market, which this day people will pilgrimage there to take um, photos with their cars and they had to install uh, stuff in the street to keep people from doing donuts. Well, that's what I remember whenever we would go to Edric's house, I remember that intersection is just like torn up yeah. with, with skid marks. Uh, that's at 1234 Bellevue, right by Edric's house. Yeah. The Racer's Edge Auto Parts Store is at 1046 North Orange Drive in Hollywood. Okay. They go to the parking lot of Dodger Stadium. The mm-hmm. first big race starts at the LA Produce Market at 761 Terminal Street downtown. The race itself is on Prairie Avenue in Hawthorne. Restaurant Cha 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 was at 656 North Virgil and Silver Lake. They go to Neptune's Net in Malibu. Right. The final race goes across the Vincent Thomas Bridge onto Terminal Island. They go down Mitchell Torina Street, and the FBI house is at 1261 Angelo Drive in Beverly Hills. That's a lot of LA. It is a lot of LA. Like yeah. I, you were daring me to I, look. I, I do. I give a lot to researching this episode. <laughs> People look to me for the facts and for an in-depth knowledge of Los Angeles. Right. I will not watch the Fast <laughs> and the Furious just for this podcast. I know uh, the Shoop Troop watch all of them, including that he went together. Yeah, if the want. aforementioned Cindy, who was almost groped at the Canby. The Canby, yeah, uh, yeah. The, w- look, we're going to get to another franchise where I watched all of them, <laughs> but like I would not go through it for this franchise fair could this only have worked in la 
unless you need to pull a Tokyo Drift, it kind of feels like this first one had to be in Los Angeles at Car City, USA. Is this a good movie? I can't say, (laughs) but the stink of the eight that came after it is leaning me towards no. Um, There might even be nine after that. Was it accurate to LA from these locations I read? It does not sound like it. Mm, Probably not. Except for going across the Vincent Thomas Bridge and ending up on Terminal Island. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. There's no way you're driving around North Hollywood like, we're going to go to San Pedro now. (laughs) I'm going to race you all the way (laughs) for your pink slip. Um, All right. So that's enough about Fast and the Furious. This next one, here's here's my tagline. Cowabunga with your hands up. Oh, my God. Surf Nazis must die. (laughs) I have no idea. Point break. Point break. Oh, it was so close. It's almost the same. It's almost the same movie. The original title. That was Roger Corman's title. (laughs) So when you're young, dumb, and full of reproductive fluid, (laughs) hotshot Quantico graduate Johnny Utah is sent to work bank robberies in Los Angeles. Los Angeles. Los Angeles for some reason. He has to go undercover to infiltrate the infamous ex-president's gang made up of the most nefarious criminals of all. Surfers. Surfers. (laughs) (laughs) Dennis Wilson, Mike Love, Brian Wilson, another cousin. Kelly Slater. (laughs) This movie came out in 1991 directed by Catherine Bigelow, which is crazy. Yeah, that's great. Um, New Dark's Catherine Bigelow. uh, Zero Dark Thirties, Catherine Bigelow. Um, Other movies with dark in the title, Catherine Bigelow. (laughs) Written by Rick King and W. Peter Illiff, starring Keanu Reeves, Gary Busey, Patrick Swayze, and Laurie Petty. Uh, This is a silly premise. Oh, no. But <laughs> no, it's not. What's silly? It's bank robberies and surfers. Why would that be dumb? But it's it infused with a lot of L.A. lore that I appreciate right. a lot. When was the last time you watched this movie? Um, maybe when it came out. <laughs> <laughs> when you walked from Nobel Middle School yeah, to the, the Pacific Theaters <laughs> with Matt Zombo hot on your tail. I watched this again during the... No, no, no. I, no, I'm thinking of another movie I did. I watched this for this episode. Right. Uh, but I will not watch The Fast and the Furious <laughs> for this episode. The fact that this was L.A. during the time of like the Dunbar heist and the North right. Hollywood shootout when it truly was the bank robbery capital of the country, if not the world, yeah. it ties it into reality in a way that I really liked yeah. in, in this movie. They mentioned specific banks that may or may not exist, like the Encino Saving and Loan. Right. The surfers use telling people to go to the valley as an insult if you ruin their wave, which I both appreciate and am deeply hurt by. <laughs> Patrick Swayze's big dream of the perfect wave is created by a once every 50 year storm, which is basically the arc storm that oh, okay. we talked about. Like that's what he was describing. Wow. Like I'm going to, it's going to be the greatest storm, man, and I'm going to go up and smoke, man. Uh, how does it relate to bank robbery? <laughs> No, no, how do, no, never mind. It doesn't have to. This what? is a pers- surfing, not or? surfing. Wanting to catch the biggest wave, but also wanting to rob banks. How is that the same he person? He wants to rob banks. It, need I refresh you from when you were uh, seven years old? <laughs> I think the idea is that they rob banks to fund their lifestyle oh, right, of right. surfing, surfing of all day, the, not having a job of the endless summer, basically. Right. Okay. Um, it's all it's all for the love of the surf, man. Um, There's an element of this is like, from I remember, it almost feels like the Lost Boys, but instead of vampires. Pires and surfers. It's bank robbers and bank, surfers. Yeah, bank, robber, bank robbing surfers. Yeah, kind of. It, 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 yeah, it's it's basically like a bunch of adults who never grew up who are just, they just want to surf and pull down their, show their butts all day. Um, they mentioned Tower Records. Anthony Kiedis gets beat up in it. He, he's 
one of the guys who harasses Johnny Utah on the okay. beach, and he's like, mm, mm, <laughs> and then he gets destroyed. Um, <laughs> it has a lot of local touches that are kind of deeper than surface level. Also, okay. that being said, if it weren't for Patrick Swayze, this would be one of the most poorly acted movies of all times. Like, like after I watched, it, like I said to you, if Keanu Reeves is tofu and he only comes off as good as the actors around him, all I need to say is that his co-star is Gary Busey. <laughs> what are you thinking? Pairing those yeah, two, the, as- it's a high. There's a, a post made about the funeral scene of Laurel Palmer when Bobby Briggs wants to beat up James and they say it's <laughs> the greatest overacting meets the greatest underacting. And I feel like that's Gary Busey and Keanu Reeves. That's Commedia dell'arte. This is classic <laughs> Abbott and Costello. We got Abbott and Costello, Laurel and Hardy, Reeves and Busey. W.C. Fields and babies. W.C. Fields and his alcohol. (laughs) Gary Busey's the guy who suspects the bank robbers are surfaced because he ran DNA traces for sex wax. And part of his proof is that he wants to check the security camera footage for tan lines. (laughs) That's part of how he's going to prove it. Some of the filming locations. In California. In in Southern California. Must be a surfer. (laughs) Some of the filming locations, they also go to Neptune's Net in Malibu at 42505 PCH, which is where Lori Petty's character works. I love Neptune's Net, by the way. I've never been there. It's really great. Yeah. It, there's a lot of truck, or not truckers, bikers, bikers. even worse than truckers. Uh, compact truckers. <laughs> truckers are <all> jobs. Bikers. <laughs> Retired truckers. <laughs> but it's still good. Uh, they go to Dockweiler and El Porto Beach for a little bit. The fight scene with Anthony Kiedis is where I got engaged. Really? Leo Carrillo that's, State And Beach. that's why you went there, right? Yeah. And you made her dress up in a Ronald Reagan mask or something? And then I pulled down my pants and it said, marry me. Uh, yeah. And I turned around and I had a Nixon mask on and his long nose had the ring on it. It was, it was really romantic. And then Anthony Kiedis came and I beat him up in front of her. It was just fleeing an Anthony, Anthony Kiedis mask. Anthony Utah, Anthony Utah, Johnny Utah yeah. buys his surfboard on the Manhattan Beach Pier, but most of the actual surfing was done in Hawaii. The bank heist where they get chased by Keanu Reeves was at 3849 Main Street in Culver City, just across the street from the Culver Munchkin Hotel. It's it's like oh, a right. restaurant now, but it was right there. Okay. Uh, the car chase happens outside the Fox Hills Mall. Yeah. Uh, the gas station scene was at 600 North Catalina in Redondo Beach, and Johnny Utah hurts his knee and shoots the gun into the air nonstop in Bayona Creek in Culver City, where okay. the volcano was. Well, yeah, but the lava supposed to you go. you got to direct the lava <laughs> if there's ever a volcano. The bank heist where it all goes wrong happened in the Wells Fargo at 2444 Wilshire in Santa Monica and the airplane is at the Santa Monica airport. Okay. Could this only have worked in LA? No. But the parts of it that are tied to LA, like I was saying yeah. with um, whatever one you were talking about, the things that they tied into the lore and the history of LA made it better because of that. Right. And also like as you were saying, the bank robbing capital of the country at the time plus surfing, it only equals it, so many it, places. It wrote itself. Yeah. <laughs> this isn't a San Francisco story. Is this a good movie? No. It's quite bad, but it's pretty good to watch. Okay. It's, it's, it's not bad to watch. Was it accurate to LA at all? No. Not at all. It jumps all over the place. Right. That's, uh, that's point break, baby. Well, we were going to talk a little bit about the Vincent Thomas Bridge, but I'm going to skip that for another option that's even more closely linked. Uh-huh. That is 1989's, I'm too old for this S word, <laughs> Lethal Weapon, the fir- very first one, written by Shane Black. Shane Black, that's so weird. Which, I have another Shane Black movie in here, and he's also in, in Predator 1. Directed, one. <laughs> that we're getting talking about. <laughs> directed by Richard Donner, who just passed away. If you haven't seen Lethal Weapon, 
two newly paired cops who are complete opposites, uh, Mel Gibson and Danny Glover. Must opposites put a- in many ways <laughs> in reality. Put aside their differences in order to catch a gang of drug smugglers. They are both LAPD. And Anthony Kiedis' dad gets beat up in this. Oh, yeah. I <laughs> forgot about that. He's one of the That's guys so in the weird. Christmas tree lot who... He gets beat up by Keanu Reeves' dad. <laughs> That's so weird. Yeah. This is another movie that I watched during the pandemic, oh, coincidentally. Right. What did both you think the of first it? two. Uh, First, two, the second one's my favorite. Yeah. It, it, okay. It's it's hard to watch any Mel Gibson movie. It really is, especially a Mel Gibson movie where he's he's basically being one of the Three Stooges. Yeah, yeah, he's, yeah. He's For doing, several scenes, he's, he's a... doing comedy <laughs> del arte. But yeah, he's like watching the Three Stooges, and he like throws them throws yeah. the remote, and he's like. Ha! And then he goes outside and he gets pulled over by the police and says the most awful things you could ever imagine. And he's so mad from that. He goes home and calls his girlfriend and leaves some of the worst things you've ever heard recorded on tape. But yeah, it's hard to watch from that yeah. aspect, but it is still, I, I think it was, it was fun to watch. I think watch. it's a, it's a really great action movie. Yes. And it, well, has, we'll get, well, we'll okay, we'll get to that. Okay, okay. But I think that has a lot to do with Shane Black more than it does with Mel Gibson. Shane Black is, I realize that I've been admiring Shane Black my whole life. He co-wrote Monster Squad, Lethal Weapon, Last Boy Scout. <laughs> he did work on, what's the other big thing he did? He helped bring down the Predator. Helped bring down the Predator. He wrote. Not the Predator that is Mel Gibson, though. Kiss Kiss Bang, Iron Man 3, The Nice Guys, great career, hates his job so much. I hear from <laughs> everybody that he hates doing it and he just wants, he's like, he's like Riggs, he just wants to die. Just put me out of my <laughs> The Murtaugh's house is on the Warner Brothers ranch. It's on the same house. You see it, and it's on the same street as the Partridge family. <laughs> Imagine all of this happening down the street from the Partridge family. <laughs> and the opening scene, uh, Amanda Hunsucker jumps out of a building. That's the beautiful International Tower in Long Beach, which is right up, up against the ocean on Ocean Avenue, I think. I forget. Sounds about right. Sure. Uh, or Riggs lives at Doc Weiler. The Christmas tree lot is off of Victory and NoHo off the 710. I wrote down, please get him off the force. What is this psychotic man who wants to kill himself? Why are you keeping him around? You never it's justify- the LAPD. <laughs> In 1989, it's the LAPD. Hey, this guy's psychotic. I think he wants to kill a bunch of people. Okay, well, we'll just move him district. Let's make him a sergeant. <laughs> he's plain clothes. That way nobody knows if he's... Uh, <laughs> we can't be blinded. Yeah, exactly. He loses he's his mind. An insane movie. There's nothing more 80... Oh my God. The music throughout is so Ooh. 80s, 90s. It's just like funky jazz, <laughs> saxophone, guitar, and bass. It's like... It's like, it's like they just copy and pasted from law and order it's so <laughs> 80s and 90s the band that where the bad guys are working is the ritz theater in hollywood boulevard that's where they get tortured and they run out at the end but also or any scene with the bad guys where they're inside that club that's off of hollywood boulevard they come off one of the things and they're on will the the wiltern is right there so on wiltern west western there i wrote well, there's one too many scenes where people are falling off of buildings <laughs> when they come out of the theater i, I, I just the remember end. you want to you want to jump on the building come on let's go yeah. <laughs> you want to do it get this man's badge away take it away from him they run out you see moves on franks you see hollywood boulevard of late 80s or the 90s which is lots of neon and stuff and then they run he's chasing by foot which is like you're not spider-man when you're like chasing on foot and then they talk about the third street bridge and then they like runs around the corner and he's he, he disobeys is a rule of alley movies which is that he runs off of hollywood boulevard runs a little more and he is on temple near silver boulevard where the western <laughs> exterminator is the yeah, building right yeah. there. and then he that's where he shane black has a weird thing for jumping off of bridges or jumping on the side of embankments for like freeway or overpasses and stuff he has like a weird thing that it's persists to this day <laughs> definitive alley movie i think okay well okay let me ask you the questions yeah. uh uh, again, I, st- I I've I wrote them down a million times. Yeah. I've said them a million times at this point. I still can't remember it. Could this only have worked in L.A.? I think so. I think like it, it's got that weird high and low thing that like uh, 
Raymond Chandler talks about where you're like there's drug dealers and that coke is connected to people in Hollywood. Uh, there's Donald Glover's or Dan, wait, Danny, Danny Glover. Glover. Danny Glover. Danny there's, Glover. Danny, there's Childish Gambino's <laughs> house, uh, which is always under construction for some reason. Yeah, it's always. Well, they crash a car into it this one. Well, I mean, well, <laughs> even could be forgiven for Mel Gibson. Um, but even before that, there was like like the walls were missing. I remember like there was just like oh maybe like his wife was talking to him through the kitchen wall. I don't know why. That might be part two. Construction maybe. from the first one. Oh, yeah, maybe. Maybe it uh, is. Part two, part of the, the main thing is that there's construction going. I think that's part two. But I don't remember Joe Pesci there. It's so weird that they put Joe Pesci in there. Uh, he's so good, though. <laughs> I can't believe I keep genuinely referring back to Commedia dell'arte, but it's, <laughs> it's like a duo of character types that work yeah, between oh, those two. Uh, and then when you add in Joe Pesci, yeah. it's a good character that works three times. Yeah, but so it's got like, you know, they're in the Hollywood Hills. They're in a club on Hollywood Boulevard. They're in a dirty Christmas tree lot here. They're like... <laughs> It's the house blows up where the prostitute lives. I, I didn't get an address for that, um, but it looked like. Oh, uh, is she still in business? But, Pervert. Um, I, I, can you just have one more scene with her? That'd be. Oh, sorry. Uh, oh boy, oh, nice lady. Hi. <laughs> Ooh, that noise you heard was it? Ooh. But I, I, I peg it as a really good LA action I movie. Would peg it. <laughs> um, I pay it to peg me. Is this a good movie? Yeah, I think it's a good movie. I yeah, think it's a, it's, it's a it's good, good movie. It's even though it's got Mel Gibson and he's hard to watch now. Yeah, showing somebody who's alone and wants to kill himself, like oh, welcome to my family, is such a thing. With I don't know what it is, but it's it's a stupid trope. But I really love when a loner gets introduced to the idea of like oh, we're a warm, loving family. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. It always it it always works. Yeah, it always works because my God, do we want to be part of a family? <laughs> my parents <laughs> aren't even here for this tonight. <laughs> and the final question: Was it accurate to L.A.? No, okay. not 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 in the final scenes uh, but no not really I didn't get that you do, if you're in LAPD you don't have jurisdiction in Long Beach oh oh my god okay I, not, we don't have to go on too much longer but they're like at uh, someone's house the hero from Night of the Creeps and a, a helicopter sneaks up from the cliff of a mountain <laughs> as if you can't hear a helicopter and then shoots a bunch we of people we can hear the rumbling from one of our busted cables in the city <laughs> you can't hear helicopter planes coming up from beyond you who's the bad guy again who plays the bad guy perfectly Gary Busey. Oh my god, I forgot. There is a window of time where so Gary Busey weird. is magic. Yeah. And he's so he was in Predator 2 as well. He's in Point Why Frank. didn't you mention that before? I totally forgot. That's so um, so we're th- we're three in a row of yeah, Buseys. Buseys. A triple Buse. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but he, as Joshua, he is a perfect bad guy. If you're talking about I like, Keanu, I feel like my mind is being a Busey <laughs> with all this Gary Busey in this. If you're talking about Keanu and Busey being opposites, Mel Gibson and Busey match like <laughs> like beep or beat crazy, like <laughs> elevating crazy. They match each other. Yeah. It's perfect. Yeah, it's the pulling the bigger gun. Nah, it is. Should we go to my next one? Yes, this is a it. quick one. Okay. And then we'll do one more of you. Yippee Kaye, mommy farter. Did you do Die Hard? I did do Die Hard, but this is, again, this is another movie that I haven't seen in a long time. But from what I remember, I'll give you my synopsis. An Austrian terrorist with bad hair takes a building full of people hostage in Century City, and it's up to Bruno the harmonica player to stop him. (laughs) That's what I remember happening to Because This is another thing where, like, you can't talk about, you you thought it took place in Chicago. I did, and I thought that Family Matters was a (laughs) spinoff. We can't talk about L.A. action movies without mentioning Die Hard. Of course not, but here's the problem with it. They're in a building the whole time. 
in Los Angeles. <laughs> <laughs> but where's the building, Greg? But where did the building come from? <laughs> um, so it came out in 1988, directed by John McTiernan, written by Jeb Stewart and Stephen E. D'Souza, starring Bruce Willis and Alan Rickman. And that blonde guy who's really strong. Just, you know, it's, yeah. this is one of my two quick ones with The Fast and the Furious, but I have so much more respect for this movie than The Fast and the Furious, but I think they both have just as many sequels as each right, other, right, right, right. Uh, which muddies the whole legacy. It's uh, not Die Hard if you have six attempts at it. It's not Die Hard if you have at least seven puns on the phrase Die Hard. Die hardest, die harder, <laughs> to live and die hard. Die hard, die. Uh, the Atkins die hard. <laughs> it, I think most of this movie happens inside the building, but mm, it's a... Nakatomi Tower. Love movie trivia landmark yeah. that it has to be pointed out. Nakatomi Tower is Fox Plaza, 2121 Avenue of the Stars in Century City, and they show stuff in the streets around there as well. Uh. So I don't have much to say about Die Hard because it's been uh, so long since I've seen it. Perfect action movie. Could this only have worked in L.A.? No. In fact, I think the I sequels think it, proved that. Yeah, it could have worked really well in Chicago. Just to make you look better. <laughs> Is this a good movie? Absolutely. I, I honestly, I, I remember liking watching. I can't yeah. remember that much. Though, I think I saw it like four word years ago. It's still it like, obviously it holds up. It's one of the best action movies, but it's people it, love it's it. it. Like People are obsessed with yeah, this movie. It's got whenever you need to make a great action movie. It comes from Die Hard. Yeah, it's usually Bruce Willis. I'm going to go ahead and say it's that era Bruce Willis. He's not as bad as Mel Gibson, but... No, he certainly is, uh, yeah. Uh, Was it accurate to L.A.? Uh, I've never been inside that building, but I want to say probably. (laughs) Probably. It has floors and glass. Yeah, we have those in L.A. Okay, so I'll talk... This one segues perfectly. I forget how. Lethal Weapon 2, but it's called The Last Boy Scout. 1991. Written by, again, by Shane Black. Story by Greg Hicks. Directed by Tony Scott, who jumped off the Vincent Thomas Bridge. Where Fast and the Furious happened. Exactly. Yeah, a private. If you don't know, a private detective. It's sorry, Bruce Willis. That's probably the connection I forgot about. Private detective's protected female witness, who is Holly Berry, is murdered, prompting him and the victim's boyfriend, who is uh, Damon Waynes, to investigate the crime that leads to a corrupt politician and a crooked football team owner. Another bad guy who is like a perfect bad guy, uh-huh. Gary Busey style, like the way I was. Uh, gonna, I thought it was Gary Busey. No, again. it's Taylor Negron. Okay, he's perfect. He's so creepy and weird and like uh, Edric called because we watched it on um, Discord this morning. He was like, he's a classy, so cool and young aren't you watching things on discord uh he had to walk me through the entire process ed was saying he's like the classier mcpoyle brother and that's exactly what it is he's just got like mcpoyle energy but he's like gary Busey, joshua psychotic from lethal weapon but cleaner about everything i don't know what it is but he matches bruce willis's like bruce willis has a more a quieter almost more masculine rugged uh craziness than mel gibson he's got a little bit elliot gould as Philip Marlowe thing of like mumbling to himself like like constantly there's those movies I don't see any dead people that he's just like hungover like you're playing hungover your character's name is hungover (laughs) one of the opening scenes is on Edgeware near Edric's house right off of Carroll Street she calls it Edgeware (laughs) yeah that long street near Fast and the Furious near Fast and Furious they go to Pacific Palisades another Palisade that's where Bruce Willis lives the end the whole thing happens at the Coliseum so they're trying to get to the Coliseum and on the way there they have to go down, down the 110 so it'll sort of obeys a law which I was appreciating of driving down the 110 to go to the Coliseum of like, yeah, that's the freeway you would take and you'd get off and you go to that corner. That's the Felix car dealership. Damon Wayne gets thrown off of Grand Street below to the lower level which is Kazuki Way or Kazuko Way oh Kazuko yeah Kazuko that's what okay. it is Kazuko Way Kazuki Beverly Hills City Hall is their police station uh, Holly Berry lives in West Hollywood Holly Berry or Halle Berry Halle Berry sorry okay. Halle Berry she lives, lives in Hollywood she lives in West Hollywood she dies in downtown on 5th Street um, spoiler yeah whatever uh, there's <laughs> no a one's watching this. ridiculous moment at the end when the bad guy explodes from a distance <laughs> what like he gets a, a case and he drives off uh, okay and he goes 
goes home and he opens it and they're like just pulled it off they like made sure they like got the money nobody died and then they turn and there's an explosion right under griffith observatory they're like <laughs> and they're all laughing together it's so ridiculous uh this is another shane black movie so of course there's christmas all his a lot of his movies have to do with christmas a very there's, shane black christmas people get thrown off of overpasses and then they run down the side of those little hills that like the freeway overpasses have those yeah. hills just like kiss kiss bang bang and lethal weapon and maybe the nice guys weird it is very weird the people rolling down hills is a shane black trope i'm gonna ask you the questions are you yeah, ready, ready for the questions yeah. uh i'm reading i printed uh these notes on the back of the notes from the last episode oh so i was about to ask you about glenn or glenda <laughs> perfect <laughs> or maybe LA this movie. was two episodes this was two episodes ago yeah, the perfect la movie accurate yes <laughs> could this only have worked in la no no, I don't think it could have. Nobody had to be. The, the private detective and the football player did not have to be in center in L.A. And the, yeah, the, it's he- very heavily football team, probably from the era where we were about to lose the Raiders. <laughs> this was our desperate attempt <laughs> to, to keep, keep the, the Raiders. Raiders. Is this a good movie? Not necessarily, but I like everybody in it. Okay. It's a good Shane Black movie. Okay. So I think it could be, it's fun to watch. It's fun the- to watch. Go 100% in for Taylor Negron. <laughs> 100 always do uh, uh, and it's also not particularly accurate to los angeles but they well, also I mean, don't even let me ask but okay they also never state where they're going they kind of do but they're never like we gotta drive down wilshire then we're gonna go down and they, it's not but the there, there's one scene where they do so you ready for my next one yeah solve this one the everybody i know who's trying to buy a house story oh my god everybody uh i don't know Escape from L.A. Jesus. Yeah. All I right. feel like a Johnny Carson Karnak. <laughs> is this fun? I don't know. So, yeah, this is Escape from L.A. When the president's daughter provides a group of terrorists living on the prison island of Los Angeles <laughs> with the key to a weapon that could end the world, it's up to Snake Plissken to go in there and do his thing. I haven't seen this since it came out. Do they put another device on him that'll kill him if he tried to do something? This time they prick him with something okay. and they say you have 10 hours to live unless you get this and yeah. we'll give you the antidote. Okay, cool. Yeah. Same principle. That's a, <laughs> it's the same movie. <laughs> it's not just the same principle. Yeah, this is the sequel to Escape from New York. And apparently this movie really spoke to me because I have more written down here for any of, of any of the things I'm talking about. So today. interested. This movie came out in 1996, directed once again by John Carpenter, mm-hmm. written by John Carpenter, Deborah Hill, and Kurt Russell. Oh, wow, really? Starring Kurt Russell, Stacey Keach, and Steve Buscemi. Oh, that's right. Steve Bus- and Peter Fonda and AJ Langer. Peter Fonda, Bruce Campbell, oh, Pam Greer. Pam uh, Greer's in it? Pam, Pam Greer's in it. Cliff Robertson, who is Uncle Ben in the good Spider-Man oh. movies. What, sorry, he's not in... Who does he play with Tom Holland? Is he dating Marissa Tomei? I'm not talking about the Andrew Garfield ones, Greg. Um, how do I stop this podcast? <laughs> we don't how know. Do I, we forgot we, how. We don't know. It's been so long since we were indoors. <laughs> uh, so obviously this movie is LA-centric, but I was surprised just how deep of a satire of LA yeah. that it was, and also kind of a dark premonition of the United States. Right. I, I'm just going to give you the full opening monologue. Like They again have yeah, like yeah, yeah. this news. They have the Road Warrior opening? Yeah. Yeah. In a dark and dusty <laughs> world. Uh, one guy will grow up to be very racist. <laughs> uh, the Badlands are overrun. The year is 1998. Oh my god. In the late, I might have seen this in 1998. In the here this is the yeah, monologue preamble, at the yeah. beginning. In the late 20th century, hostile forces inside the United States are growing. The city of Los Angeles is ravaged by crime and immorality. To protect and defend its citizens, the United States police force is formed. A presidential candidate predicts a millennium earthquake will destroy LA in divine retribution. An earthquake measuring 9.6 on the Richter scale hits at 12:59 p.m. August 23rd in the year 2000. 
2000. After the devastation, the Constitution is amended and the newly elected president accepts a lifetime term of office. The country- they have another word for that. I don't remember what it is. So. Uh, Donald Trump. Uh, <laughs> the country's capital is relocated from Washington, D.C. to the president's hometown of Lynchburg, Virginia. Los Angeles. Lynchburg. I know. Los Angeles Island is declared no longer part of the United States and becomes the deportation point for all people found undesirable or unfit to live in a new moral America. The United States police force, like an army, is encamped along the shoreline, making an escape from L.A. impossible. From the southeastern hills of Orange County to the northwestern shores of Malibu, the Great Wall excludes L.A. from the mainland. The president's first act as permanent commander-in-chief is Directive 17. Once an American loses his or her citizenship, they are deported to this island of the damned and they never come back. Cut to now, the year 2013, the year L.A. Meekly started. (laughs) So that's when this uh, takes place. 2013? 2013. In the opening, you see the Bonaventure Hotel and Union Station just get destroyed (laughs) by an earthquake. Snake is sent to L.A. for being a bad boy. And it's so bad in L.A. that people are given the chance to repent and be electrocuted to death instead of having to go to (laughs) prison in Los Angeles. And Snake Pliskin, is he supposed to be Polish? I don't know why Pliskin. Pliskin, it sounds kind of Polish. I don't don't know. I've never questioned it. And they they also never make a point. You've never questioned a Polish man on... Hey, uh, hey, Renegade, we have one question for you. Where do your people come from? Before we could stick a bomb in you and make you fight a bunch of people to get the president back. We were just wondering. Um, the entrance to the prison is the Tillman Water Reclamation Plant at 6100 Woodley in Balboa Park. Oh, wow. Right next to the dam in Balboa Park where the first movie takes place. That's the entrance to New York. Oh, wow. That's okay. how you get into New York. So he, they, oh, that's pretty John cool. Carpenter liked Balboa Park. He has to help the president. Like I said, they prick him with some poison. He has 10 hours to live. This leads to an extended sequence of Kurt Russell putting on leather pants while slow <laughs> rock music plays. Um, the thing he needs is in the hands of a Peruvian Che Guevara named Cuervo Jones, who's a failed actor who's now trying to start a revolution out of Los Angeles and leading all Latin American countries in an invasion of the United States. He's sent in there in a submarine that goes under the San Fernando Sea and as he passes by an underwater city hall and then my favorite part where he goes by un- Universal Studios yeah. is underwater and he's chased by the Jaws shark <laughs> from the trip but like from the camera but no it looks exactly like that but yeah. it's alive you know it's a, yeah. it's a reference to that and I love it it's so great <laughs> your favorite things are things that remind you of being a kid of <laughs> being on the tram tour <laughs> earthquake this scene in this movie um, his orders are to land at the Coenga Pass which was filmed on the banks of Lake Piru and then go through the Hollywood Bowl via Mulholland Drive which okay. was filmed on Mulholland Drive and LA is it's just rubble and people shooting at each other through cars listening to Limp Biscuit. like that was the vision <laughs> that of that was LA. also 1998 too so no, didn't have to wait till 2013 for that. <laughs> um, some of the desolated street scenes they filmed in Reseda oh, at wow. Victory and Van Owen because the Northwood earthquake had just happened not long before this film. Oh, right. So a lot of the houses in rubble were actual houses wow. that had been destroyed in the Northridge earthquake, which is interesting. There's acid rain. There's constant aftershocks. The Capitol Records building is rubble once again. Uh, the place he first goes in the movie is the Los Angeles Theater at 615 okay. South Broadway. Sunset Boulevard's just rubble and one giant block party of juggalos. <laughs> and the image of scary places that was all the rage in the late 90s, Latinos and lowriders. <laughs> people were terrified uh, about these so guys sad. who love their cars when so much. When that song started playing, people would run under their beds. <laughs> They'd be so scared. And then when, uh, to get back to Up and Smoke, that was <laughs> seeing Cheech Marin dance around that car was the scariest thing to a lot of people. And there's nothing scarier than a guy who engineered his car to bounce for fun just because it looks cool. What a terrifying person that is. <laughs> what a world. Yeah. This movie kind of plays into that 
that whole thing. And also the country's obsession with LA being the most sinful place on earth. Like those are, that's That's a big part of it. Steve Buscemi is mapped to the stars, Eddie selling recorded walking tours of Beverly Hills and Hollywood. There's a great scene of a gang of murderers who have all had bad plastic surgery and they need to cut off other people's body parts to put it back on themselves to survive. Uh, Their leader is the surgeon general of Beverly Hills played by Bruce Campbell. Uh, Their layer is the Beverly Hills hotel on the outside. The inside was a room at the Pacific electric building downtown at 610 South main street. There's the Korean dragon gang, which seems to just be a bunch of Korean children driving hot rods. (laughs) We find out that if you're Muslim, you immediately get shipped to Los Angeles. There's a slow motion basketball free throw competition to the death inside the actual Coliseum, uh, which is just, it's just trashed and they use it for gladiatorial fights to the death. Coliseum people watching and just cheering how awful Los Angeles is. Like the guy's like, and there's all this whole, we're in this horrible rubble. And they're like, yeah, we We love it. (laughs) Go Rams. The tunnels they go into are the tunnels under downtown at 417 South Hill. He surfs his way down a giant wave going through the Wilshire Canyon that was caused by the earthquake all the way to the Queen Mary, which got pushed into the middle of downtown Los Angeles, where Pam Greer lives. They filmed inside the actual Queen Mary. Really? But the exterior was the deck of the Hall of Justice, which they paraglide off of. And when they're parasailing, you see the Cecil Hotel for a second downtown on their way to the Happy Kingdom, which is supposed to be like a Disneyland, Marineland type of place that was actually filmed in the Courthouse Square on the Universal lot. Okay. Again, from my childhood. Could this only have worked in LA? I guess any city could have been detached from the rest of the country by the logic of this right. movie but there's so much LA specific locations and satire in here that I don't think it could be anywhere no. else also like they're really going for like the multicultural LA is this a good movie no it's not <laughs> as much as I might like it yeah. and it's good to watch it's definitely not a good movie was it accurate to LA at times shockingly yes but at other times uh, no because at the beginning City Hall's underwater and then later on he's in downtown on a beached Queen Mary right that doesn't make sense but his route like to in the submarine landing on the Coenga Pass is like perfectly like you could ways to that <laughs> you could use that as directions in real life yeah it, it's definitely not a great movie but you know it's a weird the whole setup of like this president who's now dictator for life and he hates Muslims and he hates all the he hates right. sinners and he, and, he thinks Los Angeles is yeah uh, yeah he, he has some weird thing about Los Angeles and uh, there's a United States police force that's just there to keep everybody down it, it's like oh this is they weren't far off yeah we were just one dictator away from that being yeah. true well the only difference is that this dictator is religious <laughs> uh, maybe he's faking it like other people so this is your last one my last have? one yeah um, and this is a big one are you sure maybe not that's kind of big i'm gonna be talking about 1998's blade Oh, then you completely missed one that we have to talk about at the end. Which one? I'm I'm ashamed of you. I don't know what you're talking about. I'll tell you at the end what we have to talk about. I'm ready to talk sort about Sort of it. the whole premise of this episode. My premise was Predator 2 and them, which I didn't talk about them. Should I just tell you now? Yeah. Terminator. I thought you were covering Terminator. No, you were. You told me you were covering Terminator. I don't remember telling you I was covering oh my, Terminator. I can't believe. I, can, I cannot believe I this. honestly thought you were talking about Terminator. You were going to cover Terminator because you had seen all of them. I thought you were doing it and I was going to jump in about it. This guess, is shameful. We did a whole intro about Terminator. This episode might be called Terminator and you didn't talk about Terminator? I could talk about Terminator all day. Okay, well, we're going to talk about Terminator as an addendum at the end after we do these ones. I know a few filming locations just off the top of my head. <laughs> I mostly remember part two. 
issue. Based on the Marvel Comics character, a half-vampire, half-mortal man becomes a protector of the mortal race while slaying evil vampires. Directed by Stephen Norrington, written by David Goyer, starring the perfect Arnold Schwarzenegger. Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> Wesley Snipes has also got Stephen Dorff in it, who's uh, really funny because now he hates MCU movies, but he was in the first one. And uh, Chris Christopherson is also in it. And he's great. It's been a really long time since I've seen Blade. They don't stray too far from downtown. It's mostly like downtown, what looks like Broadway. You see like a shot of the tower in the back, a tower theater. And it's a lot of like the Sixth Street Bridge as they cross over because their hideout is in uh, one of the industrial buildings on the other side of the river. And then I think the party rave is also like at a slaughterhouse, maybe in Vernon. They never really state where that's at. The party rave, which was one of the most disturbing scenes to me I've ever seen. And it starts off with that. I think I must have seen this in, uh, I guess it was high school. Yeah. So I was, I think, but I think I was in like ninth grade and that rave scene just like, I'm still like, if I'm yeah. in a shower and I get a bloody nose, I'm like, oh my God, the rave scene's oh God. happening. You look up at the, the sprinklers up there and it's going to start spraying blood. It's very intense yeah. because there's a strobe light because it's not, there's a, plenty of fake blood in the movie that's digital and you're like, oh God. Well, they didn't use the Hanna-Barbera <laughs> cells? Uh, that opening scene is like just red liquid on everybody and, and one normal guy in a a room full of vampires and they're just bathing in blood with strobe light you're like oh and the music just cranked up also tracy lords in it and i completely forgot that tracy lords is in the beginning of it and she's perfect in everything um uh this movie it's got that like late 90s raver techno uh cyberpunk thing going yeah, on yeah, and it's matrix like the matrix yeah play or two. like hackers or play <laughs> two and it's it's almost distracting to a point where like yeah i mean blade looks cool blade looks great. any guy in a, a black leather duster uh, is yeah. gonna look great even when it's just like the padded vest he's wearing yeah. he's like oh, he looks pretty yeah cool. Like, I forgot, like, oh, yeah, Wesley Snipes was really good for a while. Yeah, until he defrauded the IRS or whatever. (laughs) They took away all his talent. (laughs) You've got 20 years of back taxes on all this talent, Wesley. Yeah, you see either the 4th Street or the 6th Street Bridge. They also, there's a big scene in the subway again, which is like a post-93 movie, so the the subway's a big deal there. You see the Alexandria Hotels are walking back around uh, the Jewelry Trades building. I forgot that the cop is a familiar. I'm like, like, Guillermo. But it's a very noirish downtown. It's it's like pre-gentrification downtown, so it's like downtown as downtown was before people started to flip everything around right so you get a look of like a kind of looks like vampire still ran in the the it just looks like the way it used to look like it's just normal mom and pop shops pretty much and then like old theaters that were shut down mom's a a vampire but mom's a vampire and she never dies (laughs) that's the name of my hardy boys book (laughs) they really stick to like only a couple of they they go to the beach but i never found out what beach that was at that's when they burned urukir alive so could this only have worked in la not necessarily. I don't think they even go out of their way to say Los Angeles, but they show the skyline. I never realized it was Los Angeles. They show the skyline. I remember watching it a couple of years ago when I was going through like all the superhero movies that I could and seeing a shot of LA and be like, oh, I didn't even catch that. But they never come out of their way and be like, we're in Los Angeles, but it, it's it's Los Would Angeles. Would you like a Pink's hot dog? No, thank you. I am a vampire. It could have been any industrial town, but I like that it was in LA. I know that's not the question, but I did like that it <laughs> took place in Los well, Angeles. Then your docked points for that. Um, is this a good movie? What do you consider a good movie? It's a no. It's not a good movie. It's, is this it's a Citizen good, Kane? It's not a good movie. It's a great action movie, though. It is like a top tier. I remember liking it a yeah. lot. Yeah, but yeah, I, I was in ninth grade. <laughs> it's got a really great twist that I forgot about. And as somebody who was like kind of deta- like watching kind of detached, that twist pulled me into it. I was like, oh, this is this is a good yeah second I, act. Yeah, I, I I'd be curious to watch it again because I remember thinking like this is really cool. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's really cool for a kid to watch. It's one of the you know it's the first black superhero movie that I could think of but also it's like the first superhero movie to take itself really seriously so it kind of turned the tide on that because a lot of them weren't doing that yeah great action movie good top tier superhero movie now was it accurate to LA 
Yeah, the little parts they were like they didn't like again they didn't stray too far from downtown, but like the, yeah, there weren't a lot of car chase scenes. The subways in downtown, the buildings are in downtown, the slaughterhouses in downtown, the hospitals in downtown. Like it, it all is just this noirish area. Of all the movies we've talked about today, that's kind of the one I'm most curious to rewatch. You should give it a try. Uh, nah, you probably won't like it. Uh, nah. I, I only like uh, the good Spider-Man movies. <laughs> I only watched the Wolverine movie that has Ryan Reynolds in it. So now for the last official one, but there is a necessary addendum now right. to the end of this episode. I, I can't. There's going to be a post-show meeting. Let's dig up the text where you're like, I, I got Terminator. I'm like, you, you told got me. It. You not only you said the Terminators. <laughs> you said you were doing. You didn't just say you were doing the first and second. You were doing all of them. I don't know why I would say that because you were the one that watched them. So I've been like, oh, then you could write about them because you know it. Uh, this is classic Commedia dell'arte. <laughs> so guess which movie this is. That bus is traveling at a rate at which I wish they always went. Stop! Boom. Car 54. No. Oh, Car 54, where are you? One of the definitive LA action movies. One of those that I'm like, we have to do an episode. Speed. Speed. When a psychotic Dennis hey, Hopper, hey, hey, also yep. known as Dennis Hopper, plants a, <laughs> plants a bomb on a public bus that'll go off if it drives slower than 50 miles per hour, it's up to, once again, Keanu Reeves and Sandra Bullock to try to find out how not to explode. Everybody at their peak. Sandra yeah. Bullock at her peak, Keanu at his action peak, Dennis, Dennis Hopper at his crazy peak. Dennis Hopper always at his peak. Yeah. Could you take it down a little bit, Dennis Hopper? Uh, this came out in 1994, directed by Jean de Bont, <laughs> uh, written by Graham Yost, starring Keanu Reeves, Sandra Bullock, Dennis Hopper, and Jeff Daniels. This is a movie that, yes, it's an LA movie, but it takes place almost entirely on a place where in reality we spend most of our time in the city, which is a freeway. Yeah. So while there are, there's not like iconic, like, oh, the Capitol Records yeah, yeah, building, yeah, yeah. compared to other ones we're talking about, it'll actually look more familiar to you than any of these <laughs> movies. Because like, you're on these places is yeah. almost more time than any other place you are in the city. So sure. like, yeah, this, this yeah, I, I feel right. Yeah. <laughs> so some of the locations, uh, the building where the entire beginning elevator rescue happens is the gas company tower at 555 West 5th Street, downtown. <laughs> That's where ha- the opening is? That yeah. big elevator scene? Yeah. Oh, cool. I didn't know that. Yeah, you see them like running all, like right. that, that hilled area towards the library. Right. And the party after the award ceremony for mm-hmm. that event is at the Derby, uh, which was 45 500 Los Feliz Boulevard in Los Feliz, which used to be a Brown Derby location, right. and it's now Mess Hall. The cafe where he goes every uh, day, right every day, right before the bus explodes, is, fi- <laughs> is the firehouse at t- every day. Uh, get my coffee. I just watch the city bus explode uh, right on time, as usual. Ah, <laughs> uh, okay, time to go to work. It's the firehouse at 213 Rose Avenue in Venice, which is a big red building that's still there. They're still open, and the the ballerina clown across the street is on top of the CVS. The locations jump around a bit, but the main yeah. three freeway that it was all filmed on was the 105 mm-hmm. freeway. They're on the streets of Long Beach for a little bit next to the convention center again and the baby carriage scene happened at Pico and West in South Central which was so stressful. Oh yeah. I remember my mom in the theater shouting like ah! Like it was just like it built up so much. And then when I saw all the cans I was like that's what the, <laughs> the CRV <laughs> You just want someone to look. Yeah. Everyone's not looking and it's so stressful. I don't know why. Why, like, why do that to us? Why did you play with you us gotta, like that? You got to crank it up every once in a while. Uh, the freeway jump was oh. at the 110 to 105 junction, which is, I, there was like a lot of CGI involved in that. Yeah. They didn't actually. Uh, what, what, what do you mean? Greg. I gotta sit you down for a second. It, it's someone's like, like it's a cell of the car like floating it's over the to same, it. and then they put the blood. The blood. 
The airport stuff is at the southwest part of LAX. Dennis Hopper's house is at the east corner of Redlands and Trask near LAX, which is right by the oh, beach. Cool. The trash can where the money drop happens is at the southeast corner of Pershing Square. Pershing Square, that's where I first came aware of Pershing Square. Now, every time I go there, I'm like, what building is he in? What building is he? I could see it. From is here. there money in this? Yeah. That's why I always dig through that trash <laughs> is can there trying money? to find money. Yeah. I have or am so I many jump diseases. Out of the subway? <laughs> the subway entrance at the end is the Pershing Square station, and yep. it's the red line that they're on right. and when it bursts out of the ground it's on Hollywood Boulevard right in front of the Chinese theater which is showing 2001 a Space Odyssey this really is sort of the definitive LA action movie I think it is yeah. because the one that we are going to have an addendum about yes. after this is huge yeah. but this is it has freeways, to be LA cars yeah LAPD there's surfers there's a multicultural cast on the on the bus Ferris Bueller's friend is there Cameron's there yeah Cameron's there he got over whatever he was going through <laughs> but yeah no I, I think it I think it's a fantastic action movie and LA is just, it's it's such an LA movie just yeah, like getting really around is. parts of town at that speed also at that, also at that speed um, the bus that couldn't slow down could this only have worked in LA? Yeah, yeah. definitely. It, it, I can't think of another city where this would have been a thing. Well, I mean, they did do it on a boat in the second one. Uh, did it work, though? <laughs> Is this a good movie? Yeah, yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, it's a really good action movie. Yeah. It's a pretty good movie also. Was it accurate to LA? Uh, a lot. I was going to ask you that because I remember watching with my dad and there were a couple times where I'm like, oh, that's not where that goes. But for the most part, yeah, like yeah. all of a sudden he's in Long Beach, which didn't yeah. make sense, but kind of like, yeah, even though they're just like going back and forth on the 105, right, yeah. which also like just, they should have gone to LAX at the beginning. Right. Like that's all you need to do. Like, yeah. oh, this bus can only go 50. I'm going to LAX. But they also have to play by the psycho's rules too. And he's like, uh, don't go to the airport he didn't say that i know but he could have been like new plan (laughs) well they did trick him at the end which he was not happy about how Uh, did he react to that normally did or did he become frank from blue velvet level-headed dennis hopper (laughs) did he uh did he take to that kindly so look let's do it there was supposed to be a discussion of the terminator movies and i thought the person who saw all of the terminator movies. i swear to god you told me you were doing the terminators are you looking up the text because i'm looking up information on the terminator i'm on imdb looking up locations for the Terminator. Okay, I will tell you about The Terminator. I'm Came gonna... out in 1984. Hey, come on. <laughs> directed by James Cameron, written by... I don't think it's written by James Cameron. It's too good. It came out in 1984, directed by James Cameron, written by James Cameron. Oh, wow. He's that um, good. Additional dialogue by... Actually, Gail Ann Hurd. Okay. Uh, executive producer of The Walking Dead for a while. Uh, starring Linda Hamilton, and uh, Michael Bean, and... Former governor... Arnold Schwarzenegger. Okay. Star of the long goodbye. (laughs) (laughs) Whose pecs are the star of the long goodbye. So let me give you off my head synopsis of the first. There's a little baby. There's a little adorable little baby. (laughs) A killing machine from the future comes back to the year 1984 Mm -hmm. to kill Sarah Connor. The mother of. The mother of. The revolutionary John Connor. Yes. Who will bring an end to the dominion of the machines. Skynet. And Sean Bean comes. Michael Michael Bean. Bean. Sean Bean's another guy. Orson Bean comes, <laughs> Mr. Bean comes by, and uh, he is trying to protect her from the Terminator who's trying right. to kill him, and in doing so, they get together and create John Don Connor. Connor. Perfect horror movie. Yes. Getting to the question at the end, this is a great movie. Yeah, it is a great movie. And let's talk about, okay, I know that they're at the uh, Griffith Observatory yes. when he asked for the clothes, uh-huh. and uh, maybe I'm thinking, no, I'm thinking of the second movie. I, I'm going to jump around between yeah, 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 yeah. the second movie. Uh, John Connor lives, I believe, in Reseda. Oh, really? I forget where the house 
glasses exactly. He's such a punk. <laughs> and that kid with the mullet, such a punk. <laughs> when they're like going through the river sort of yeah. area, that is, I know that's along Woodley in yeah. uh, Northridge. Oh, Northridge Woodley. Yeah. Oh, I didn't yeah. know that. That was closer to North Hollywood. No, no, no. It's it's right it's right over there because even if you look on Google Maps yeah. um, on like Nordoff okay. and Woodley, it'll say like Terminator Bridge. Okay. Yeah, they, they go through there where mm-hmm. they're being chased by the T-1000. T-1000 takes a big rig and chases John Connor and Arnold Schwarzenegger on a motorcycle. It's John Connor's dirt bike. In the second one, the Terminator comes to save John Connor from the T-1000 and has to break Linda Hamilton, Sarah Connor, out of a mental institution, which she pretty much does yeah. herself. <laughs> which, by the way, I work with one of the nurses from the <gasps> mental institution who I believe gets her neck broken really? by Arnold Schwarzenegger. Or, or no, a T-1000? T-1000. Or, yeah, yeah. Robert Patrick. His name's Robert Patrick. Please, with respect. His Robert name Patrick. is T-1000. <laughs> okay, so the apocalypse happens yes. in Los Angeles. In the second one, the, they graphically show mm-hmm. the world being destroyed yeah, which by is, Skynet. They never needed to make a sequel. That little bit of dystopian future yeah. of like robots stepping on skulls is like all I needed to picture. Yeah, yeah. but then they scared. showed like people being vaporized in like Griffith Park or something and yeah. it's pretty scary. All of the subsequent ones after yeah. that. As I've stated before, which is why I thought you were going to talk about this. When the, You've uh, seen all well, of them. I was willing to comment when you <laughs> talked about it. When the most recent one was coming out, we're like, let's just watch all the Terminators. Because I'd only seen the first two. Right. And we watched all the Terminators. And you should really only watch the first two. <laughs> but it, it, they all, for the most part, take place in some version of Los Angeles. Right. Like, because I think there's... Maybe not the third one. They do stray a little bit. But yeah. like the dystopian, when they go into the dystopian future, I think that's all in a version of LA. Okay. The first one is great. Yeah. And the second one is great. And it's it's got that James Cameron touch, which is, uh, when I talk about aliens, I say, is it alien or aliens? Is it Terminator or Terminator 2? Is it horror or is it action? Yeah. Is it The Godfather or The Godfather 3? <laughs> but Terminator's got the alien touch where like the first one is just scary. Like it's just yeah. like a monster is hunting you down. Yeah. The second one is more so of an action yeah, movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And a perfect action movie at that. Could this have happened anywhere? Yeah, kind, kind yeah. of. I it think. didn't need to be LA. No, it didn't. It's sort of the right city for it because it, New York would be too crowded yeah and any other city and it's already matter. dystopian future the warriors were there warriors. you didn't want to mess with yeah. them 1984 New York was already it had its own problems yeah and it looked they weren't like worried about Night machines Returns. they were worried about a bunch of kids <laughs> without school uh, we talked is this a good movie yes these yeah. are the first two are, are good fantastic movies. movies is it accurate to LA uh, I'm looking up locations from it and it, oh, they're all over the place city of industry cut a hay Little Rock California which is not anywhere <laughs> they're on Hill Street they're in Huntington Park, they on uh Kostchuko Way again, the tunnel crash scene down there, which is where Damon Wayne's is thrown off the thing. Uh, Terminator versus Punks is Observatory Way or is Observatory Avenue, which has Bill Paxton, which I think is in three of my movies. Sarah Connor's uh, house is on Gilmore Street in Van Nuys, 14239. I believe I have John Carpenter's address, <laughs> not John Carpenter's oh my address. God. Yeah, I know you do. I could, yeah, I used to. This is it. the wrong place to say it, but this is uh, Deborah Hill's address. <laughs> The motorcycle scene I'm seeing in specific, they listed at 19828 Valerio Street, okay. uh, which is, that's kind of near where that like topiary dog is. Okay, from the first one, the gasoline tanker truck lorry driven by Terminator explodes on 795 Caller Street in LA. The correct Sarah Connor's apartment is 420 South Lafayette Park Place, which I think is in Koreatown. Parking garage in downtown from Department of Water Power. Cal Reese's dream, the construction site is 185 South Figueroa Street. Sorry, then 19828 Valerio Street is um, John Carpenter, John 
John Car- Why do wow. we keep calling him John Carpenter? Dude, just go say hi already. It's Allendale. He lives on Allendale. <laughs> you ring the doorbell. Do, 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 yeah. do, do, do. The, the 19828 Valerio Street is John Connor's house. Okay. And that is in Canoga Park. Oh. Actually, not Reseda, but CP. pretty much the same thing. <laughs> but the state hospital is in Silmar, uh, 11600 Eldridge Avenue. Oh, really? Which is, um, I'm wondering if that's the earthquake that was destroyed the during, hosp- the, yeah, the hospital. during the invasion of the Terminators. <laughs> they go to the Northridge Mall. That's right. They go to the Northridge Yeah, that's exciting. The Mall. T-1000. I was running through, just like me, running away from Matt Zombo <laughs> on my way to the Fast and the Furious. Where he, you were fast, he was furious. <laughs> I was not fast, he was definitely furious. Uh, not Woodley, Havenhurst, that's oh, what Havenhurst. I was thinking of. Okay. So 9482 Havenhurst. The big is, rig and the motorcycle? Yeah, okay. they go to the Peterson Automotive Museum. That's right. Cactus Jack's Market, that's in Lancaster. Does it say where Skynet is? Uh, if I told you, I would. Oh, Elysian Park, that's the park right, where the everybody gets vaporized. The, the swings and then yeah. uh, the bum hits. They are on turn. Terminal Island as well. Uh, a lot of movies like if you're looking for the end of the world, you won't find it anywhere else than Terminal Island. Uh, so look, we we slapped together a Terminator segment here at the end, and it was teamwork. It was teamwork, and you know what? Everything we should do it should be teamwork. And that's what this episode has all been about. We learned that we are a team today. Yeah, we are Mel Gibson and Gary Busey. We are Snake Pliskin and Mel Gibson. <laughs> so uh, look, if you want to be a real Snake Pliskin oh in our God. heart, you could leave us a review on iTunes. Uh, we won't even strap something to you. We won't prick you with anything. <laughs> we don't have an antidote. If you have an iPhone, just open up your open up your podcast app and go to the LA Meekly and leave some stars, leave some words. It helps us out a lot. It yes. gets the word out a little bit more, makes us more reputable. Uh, also, tell your friends. Yeah. If people might be interested in this, spread the word, get people listening. We'd like that. Yeah. Hey, I learned a lot of little weird facts that I spit out at parties, <laughs> yeah. so they look interesting, and I got them all from LA Meekly. Tell somebody who's boring. Yeah. Hey, I learned out all the filming locations from the Terminator movie. Movies, uh, as quickly as I could have looked them up <laughs> in real time. Uh, LA Meekly. Uh, that's yeah. the LA Meekly promise. You can follow us on Instagram at LA underscore Meekly. Uh, we post pictures every single day. Twitter at LA Meekly. Uh, subscribe to us on YouTube, mm-hmm. LA Meekly. We put all the segments. We'll have some more stuff coming up there. Yeah. And s- support right. us on Patreon. Right. It helps us out. It keeps us going financially. For $1 or more a month, you can just be supporting us. We'll say your name right here. I will say it so loud and so correctly. Uh, so loud, it'll blow out your speakers. <laughs> but for $5 or more a month, we will send you a handwritten postcard every single month from every us. Single month. And boy, are they funny. And boy, did I just learn that often the post office puts a sticker on the bottom of them and blocking out my line of saying to everybody, thank you so much for supporting us. So everyone just thinks I wrote this weird yeah, postcard note. and just said, no thanks. <laughs> Here you go. I've seen it on the bottom and I've also seen a block up top. So I never know. Oh, really? Yeah. Now I do like, I leave the bottom blank. Okay. A little less postcards I have to write every month. A couple less things I have to think about. My hands are like bleeding by how I'm done writing 25 (laughs) postcards. I feel like a real predator after ripping someone's spine out. Uh, So any closing thoughts here about LA action movies? Yeah, you should have talked about Terminator. Once this episode comes out, I'm going to screenshot and post you saying, I'm doing this, 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 and this. Don't you dare touch Terminator. And if you do, I'll kill your offspring. You said that. Is it it John Connor? (laughs) You are the Terminator. <laughs> That's why you wanted to That's why I didn't want to talk about him, because I knew that I was Terminator. And I, also, you've seen all the Terminator films. It did seem weird that you wanted to do it. And apparently, it was weird to think that, <laughs> because you told me. Other than that, these uh, a lot of these movies are worth watching. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Even if I said it was something wasn't good, you should still watch. Even you know, Last Boy Scouts, just watch it for Taylor Negron. Of all the ones you've seen, which would you recommend highest? Um, I think Volcano's 
a lot of fun for an LA movie. Yeah, Volcano's that, really good. That's probably the one that you're going to get the biggest bang for your buck if you're trying to see what LA is like or yeah. how LA is interpreted. What it's really like. Yeah, it's not the most fun I had watching. I think maybe Blade was the funnest movie I saw. Um, but Volcano's lava bombs are shooting out of the tar pits <laughs> and hitting Angeline in the face. And Tommy Lee Jones has to pretend to be normal like a, a dad. Yeah, it's a lot of fun to watch. Of mine, I think I would have to recommend Escape from L.A. Really? It's certainly not the best of those movies, but I think in terms of enjoying seeing L.A., I think you'll like it the most. It sounds very satirical knowing. I mean, it is. It's way more satirical than I remember the first movie being. There was something that happened with John Carpenter when he was a kid moving south, and I think he heard about a lynching or saw a lynching or something, so that they called it Lynchburg, Virginia is already like, he's got to get something out of his system, doesn't (laughs) he? That's John Carpenter. Jordan Carpenter. Oh, let's go to his house and ask him. (laughs) Knock, 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 knock. That's a different director, but still. We'll go to James Cameron's house (laughs) and do that. (laughs) I've got a different knock forever. Yeah, so uh, enjoy the rest. Enjoy your August, the god-awful month of the year. The second hottest uh, month of the year. Yep. What's the first? September. September. <laughs> the one that we have to look forward yeah. to. Um, in a couple of weeks, you'll hear another Meekly Music Box. I'm looking forward to that it's a one. a very special yeah. uh, musical guest of sorts. And I'm hoping everyone's joined the first two. I've really liked learning about the first two, so yeah. look forward to all of them. Free music. Hey, Free listen. music, man. Get this. <laughs> yeah, we're back to Cheech and Chong. <laughs> Free music, man. And uh, yeah, we'll see you uh, then. And then also, if you don't listen to those for whatever reason, uh, if you only like listening to us for two-hour chunks at a time, <laughs> We'll see you uh, September 1st. And uh, that's been yet another episode of L.A. Meekly. Comedia dell'arte since 2013. Tell me about the rule of threes. You got your Groucho. You got your Cheapo. Cheapo. You got your Cheapo. I got a re- You got your Grunch Crunch. <laughs> got Goku Piccolo. And when Harpo goes Super Saiyan, boy, watch out. If you're a woman, boy, watch out. All right. Let's see if we remember how to stop this. Jane, stop this crazy thing. <laughs> Thank mm-hmm. you.